three, two, and Newspapers. one. There he is, my buddy. <laughs> my <laughs> sexy brother. Three, two, one. Walter Cronkite. Dick. <laughs> Mess with my flow. What little flow I have. Toy boat. Toy boat. Eleven o'clock comics, episode two hundred and forty-nine. The penultimate episode. It is. It is. I, I'm kind of scared for next week. Usually, our eleven o'clockers go three, three and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be an extra special. Not as special as this one. It's going to be extra special, though. This Everything will be fine as long as Ron doesn't end the episode with not like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ron, have you been drinking since noon? <laughs> Every day I drink. Yes. Tonight, as long as we find out what was in the closet. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> It's been far too long. It has. It has. I, I, I feel bad that I always need like an excuse, like something big going on to come talk about. Like, we, we, I need to talk to you guys when I got nothing going on. Sorry, we're, when, when we're done recording, we're going to tell you about how you're going to make it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that, too. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. We've long Fairly, but I think we're out of it. So oh, we. Actually, um, Vince, did you um, see on Concert Vault this week what the free concert download was? I did. Did you get it? I did. Fucking awesome, isn't it? Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, free Ramones, 1978 at the uh, Palladium. Cool. I got yeah. that, and then somebody sent me a Saccharin Trust show, and I was like, what is this? It's just like the day of punk in the office. Nice, good stuff. Yeah. Hey, everybody, 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 249. I am Vince B., Yes, you are, and I'm Christopher Neesman. Yeah, you are, and I'm David Price. Indeed you are, and I'm Eric Stevenson. Get to work, Lex. <laughs> you wish. You so wish. You are not Eric Stevenson. You are Jason Wood, and we have a guest this week. Um, to be totally honest, we kind of felt bad for him because he lives such an uneventful you know, mundane existence. We thought, let's throw the dude a bone. We love him and, and have him on with us. Uh, he's a man who has just gained a massive amount of friends that he <laughs> never knew he had. Uh, it is Ron Richards. <laughs> I really was just bored and nothing's really, nobody really pays attention to me. So I'm like, guys, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the new most popular man in comics. <laughs> <laughs> It's horrifying to think about. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my favorite response to everything was uh, was Josh, who who went on Facebook and said, "Maybe I should pitch something to Image." Oh, J- Josh was on fi- Josh was on fire on Friday. What he said? He the, my favorite. My favorite one wasn't about the pitching one. It was the uh, uh, the the first time he gives us shit about dropping our bags off at the Image booth. There'll be words. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we probably shouldn't keep people in, in in the dark. Not not that it, if you were around, uh, you know, Facebook and the Twitterverse and that's and true. and the internets in general. Uh, Ron, huge congratulations to you on on a big career move. Uh, the only sadness is that you're you're leaving the ranks of us lowly podcasters and actually uh, and actually uh, making a huge step into the industry. So why don't you why don't you tell people about your big move uh, so we can just kind of get that out of the way and then and then talk about it. Yeah, so it was announced last Friday in a very public and somewhat somewhat embarrassing, humbling and embarrassing manner. Um, no, that uh, I had taken a job at Image Comics, and um, I think it's safe to say that in doing so, I basically the decision was taken away. Uh, the decision was made for me that I had to resign for my fanboy, um, which I think I think you guys as you know podcasters and whether you consider yourself journalists or media or not, I, if I had continued to do my fanboy, it probably would have been a big conflict of interest. Um, well, so, yeah. if if like you know Saga won Pick of the Week every week, I know. Yeah, it's not like already we weren't. They didn't have a well. Images checks clear. That's all I'm saying. No, but um, <laughs> I'm kidding. That was a, no. But basically, uh, yeah. Basically, I mean, for those who those of you who know me know how much you know blood, sweat, and tears. You know me, Josh, and Connor put into iFanboy over the past twelve years, and really, like this is this was like the only job that could come up that could make me leave iFanboy, which is just the opportunity pretty much of a lifetime, which is to, you know, uh, Eric Stevenson, uh, the publisher of Image Comics, and I were talking and talked about what I could potentially do. And I imagine we'll talk more about this when we get into the show. But um, And I said, yeah, might as well. You only live once. So uh, so I'm resigning from my fanboy. I'm resigning from comics podcasting, but I'm still an active tech podcaster. So you can always, if, you, if you're an Android faithful, you can watch me on All About Android every Tuesday on the Twitter. Always the fucking Twitter pimping. I'm always <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so that's that's my big news and so i thought and it's funny because vince and i were talking before that a couple of weeks ago about me coming back on the show i'm like let's wait a couple of weeks when i got something to talk about yeah. so, <laughs> nice. how, and, how how creator-like of you god we haven't heard that before yeah I know, exactly. <laughs> but, and, like, and you know where you can get a lot of image comics where from our sponsor who that discount comic book service sorry to interrupt dcbservice.com where you can get your funny books and collectibles at huge, amazingly deep discounts, 35 to 75% off sometimes. And we're only going to announce one this week because if you haven't paid attention to the list this month, well, that's your fault. Go back and listen to an old episode. But from Image Comics, you can get The Art of Todd McFarlane, second greatest living comic book artist on the planet. It's called Devil's in the Details. It's a massive hardcover. Cover price is $39.99, but you can get it at Discount Comic Book Service for a paltry $19.99. Do the math. That's 50% off. And if you're a first-time customer, enter this code in the pre-moistened slot, and you can get an extra 8% off your already massively discounted order. David, save me. What's the discount? Discount is EOC and the number 8. Look at that. EOC 8. Pack them up nice and secure. Neil Adams? Neil Adams is the number 1. Okay. Living was, comic book. Tom McFarlane's number two. I can't front on Neil Adams. Come on. Todd's not better than Neil. No. Uh, but for this episode, he is. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and, and Ron, while we have you here, I got to talk to you. You talked to Todd about getting Kadransky off spawn. Seriously. Um, I'll see what I can do. Actually, that's, yeah, actually, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, well, here, here they come, Ron. We're, we're doing an EOC, 
EOC live tweet, and uh, and we mentioned that uh, that you were going to be on the show. So um, just to put your feet uh, to the fire a little bit uh, um, from Dan, Leaf Insect, Leaf Insect Man. Uh, uh, Ron, when's the next uh, Image United coming out? Stop. <laughs> What's Image United? Yeah. <laughs> oh, brutal. No, it's listen, like post unity, pre unity. It's like that at Ron's here. It's like <laughs> the image is not going to look anything like it did. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> I'm just worrying about t- tomorrow. I'm not worrying about the past. I can't do anything about the past. Here's one, though, that you, you'd be more better positioned to actually answer because of your yeah. budding friendship with this guy. And it's also from Dan. He says If Kirkman ever becomes a zombie, do you think he got the balls to take him down? Um. Yeah, no, I got the balls. I could take him. Come on, he's 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 yeah, he's he's not That's, that spry, especially as a zombie. Zombie, yeah. Well, the real question is like, you know, if you're in like a locked room with zombie Kirkman, would you take him out? Or if you were like in like an open field and there are like twenty or thirty, you know, zombies, is he the first one that you take out? No, you know, honestly, honestly, if for some reason he, I mean, for, first, I mean, I'd be, I find it very unlikely that he's gonna get zombie turned when the zombie apocalypse happens because I feel he's got that car. You know that zombie apocalypse <laughs> car. Like I feel like he's, he's, he's probably prepared. in the best shape. Yeah, yeah. but that yeah. said, I could see much more of like like the end of Shaun of the Dead, um, where, with um, uh, well, with si- <laughs> Simon Pegg and his see him locked up in your garage. Yeah, yeah no, we'll, we'll keep him. You know, and we keep him around, and he'll probably be you know a good ambassador to the zombies. So there you go. <laughs> Speaks right. your language, right? Right. Or we need to sell the trades, Robert. Right. <laughs> Uh, I tell you, let's let's get to our drink roll call, and then we'll and we'll talk more about uh, Image United and, and other stuff. Uh, Ron, why don't you uh, lead us off? What what are you drinking this evening? Well, I really wanted to be here drinking my signature seven and seven, but I didn't have time to stop at the convenience store to get seven up. So I am just drinking a Peroni, uh, my beer of choice. So there you go. Really, that's that's kind of like the uh, the Italian. Budweiser, right? Listen, listen, don't judge. <laughs> don't judge. I'm not judging. Yeah. I'm just saying it's kind of like the Italian and Budweiser. I, I got to tell you, between you raving about your beer exchange with my buddy Ash and my yeah. buddy Ash here in San Francisco raving about his beer exchange with you, I've just about had it with craft beers. Is he, was he happy? Was oh, he, yeah. Every, yeah. Every time we hang out, he tells me about another beer he had from you, and he loved the new Glarus stuff. He loved that. So, uh, oh, awesome, awesome. We're going to have to uh, – you know, that's where – James and Kirsten are from just yep. um, just east of where New Glarus is. So um, so Ash was actually supposed to share that with them, um, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was awesome. And I have to get in touch with him and do another beer exchange because everything I got from uh, from uh, Northern California was uh, was re- you all like your hops out there. I, they, I know I don't, but they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah they like their hops. Um, all right, um, Vince, how about you? Yingling, and next. It's okay. Yingling yeah, traditional uh, lager? Easy or? to please. No, just plain old Yingling lager. Yeah. Oh, well, that's okay. good. We like right. the Yingling. Yeah. That's fine. Oldest brewery uh, in America. Uh, in Pennsylvania, too. It, well, and, or Tampa. Well, Pennsylvania is the home of it. It's, it's huge. It's huge in Florida because right, they have baby. a big uh, brewery down in the, in the Tampa area. So good taste down there. Nah, old people. It's, 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 I don't mind it. Uh, David, how about you? Shuffleboard. It is fucking cold so i am uh, drinking yep. straight neat whatever you want to call it just whiskey in a glass <laughs> nice. oh you said neat i'd say you're drinking straight meat meat yes I'm having some <laughs> wow meat. what kind of, kind of whiskey uh well i finished a buffalo trace so i'm moving on to the uh courtney and woods okay i gotta get you um 
some of the Knob Creek single barrel. It is, I I want to try um, that. And there is this place. Well, we we could talk about it later because it's 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 a um, it, it's a small distillery up up state in New York. Cool. Bring some with you. I oh, plan on it. Where, where are we'll, you going? We'll do a whiskey exchange. <laughs> See, two e two's coming. We're all gonna we're gonna all gonna go out and have fun. It's gonna be great. Ron's uh, gonna be there, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Oh, hell's yeah! I'm not gonna. After missing it last year because I had to move, I was, I'm. I'm not gonna miss right. it at all this year. Oh, I'll be there. Excellent. So, Big well, I think it's gonna be kind of your job description. You're gonna have to go to yeah. all. Yeah. Right. Well, we we don't. I mean, we don't uh, exhibit at C2E2. Um, we're, we're gonna be actually the first show we're exhibiting at is Emerald City, so I'll be at that one as well. I just had a meeting today about that. Um, but yeah, no. Hopefully, I'll be able to hit the con circuit and and be uh, be an ambassador of of all things image. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I need to come back to that because I have a question about image and cons and and all that. That uh, um, so remind yeah. me, um, Jason. Uh, you said that you had um, something extra, extra special tonight. Yeah, and it's going to disappoint Ron because it is a craft beer. So I guess uh, I'm falling <laughs> uh, prey to nice the uh, job, Jason. Yeah, I know. Uh, but no, I am drinking from Twenty First Amendment Brewery, mm. uh, a fireside oh. chat winter spiced ale. That's what's, um. What's that's, the Twenty First Amendment? That's San Francisco. That's uh, that's right on Second Street here in, in San Francisco. There you are. So yeah, yeah it is. Um, it's awesome. It's a can. It's in a can. It's uh, all of their beers are in cans. Uh, and this particular uh, beer has uh, FDR, hence the name Fireside Chat, on it. Nice. Uh, nice. And it is um, about eight percent alcohol by content. It's a uh, like a. It's like a red ale, a dark like red ale. Um, it, it and the, the quote unquote special ingredients what makes it different than like a traditional red ale are uh, spices of nondescript stuff, but it's, it tastes like some nutmeg, some other stuff. But then uh, cocoa nibs, so it's it's wow. chocolatey. <laughs> Chocolate. Wow, that's it's awesome! It's it's awesome. really good. Um, I, what, I was what, uh, wait. What, what's the twenty first amendment? By the way, what's do we, that? Do we, it's do a brewery here. It's a it's no, a brewery. No, no, what is the twenty first amendment? Oh, it's the prohibition. It's the repeal of prohibition, right? Oh, oh, okay, okay. That yeah, makes sense. yeah, that's that's the joke. It's the I yeah. thought it was something about, you know, like income tax or something. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> no. prohibition. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, and um I, I was um I was first turned on to this brewery uh around Christmas time um when I went and saw a can with uh a monkey in a spacesuit. And it's their bitter American uh, ale, which uh, I thought was hilarious. That's and that's fun. their. Th- and this is this fireside chat is actually a seasonal, whereas the bitter American they make all all year round. So this is a winter ale. There's, uh, but uh, like I said, there's it's it's great. I've had three of their their different beers now. I think there's there's nine or ten of them, but um, I highly recommend it. It's uh, for an eight percent alcohol content beer. It tastes great. Goes down smooth. Uh, so yeah, definitely recommend it. And it's uh, the website. If people are interested, is uh, the the number twenty one. So two one st twenty first dash amendment dot com. So oh damn, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, um, cool. Every once in a while, I will um, I'll grab a beer and I'll put it in the. Wow. Yeah. You will. You put it in the negative zone. Tutorial about this shit. It's like I get like part of a shelf on this thing, and if she sees me trying to encroach on her wine space, she gets fucking mean about it. And so I have to I have to be really careful about what I put in there. 
and I had uh, I had uh, grabbed a, a special bottle, and I was like, you know what? I will drink this on a special occasion, and we just happened to have a special occasion that is celebrating our good friend's uh, Ron's uh, move to Image. So I pulled out from uh, Revolution Brewing. It is their straight jacket barley wine ale, and it is a thirteen percent uh, alcohol bourbon barrel aged barley wine nice and where ron will like this and probably vince as well um this is from revolution brewing and they did an entire series of beer and each each beer was named after a song from the repo man soundtrack nice Nice. you were talking about this and well this done. is this is the bourbon barrel aged version of institutionalized by suicidal tendencies. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Awesome. Yes, so Jeez. it's the straight jacket. So um, it is. Uh, it's an awesome uh, barrel aged barley wine, and uh, I got a pint of it. And so we should probably record because I'm going to be unconscious in about forty minutes. Yeah, that's you good. Will. That's good. You know that's that has good. been called the greatest soundtrack ever. I don't it's, know about that, but it's a good soundtrack. You know, it's I saw a, it's I, a great soundtrack. It is. Yeah, great. yeah. I, I, I. This was a blind spot for me. I'd never seen Repo Man. Oh no! Yeah, I don't well, think I saw I, it in its entirety. I've seen. I remember someone puking next to a car. Oh yeah! Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I, I, I sat table. down and I watched it this weekend for the very first time, and it was the most amazingly terrible and awesome movie. Oh I, no! Don't use it, that word. It's hilarious. No, it's, a ter- it's a terrible movie, but it's awesome. All the, it is everything of its era, just kind of like colliding together, yeah. and yeah, the soundtrack is amazing it's like when soundtracks were actually you would go out and buy soundtracks because they were great not because they were um you know really haphazardly thrown together mixed tracks right right Uh, it was so so good you know what's a great soundtrack and i know we got to move on but the film did not get very uh was not well, well received but the sucker punch soundtrack is awesome oh geez don't even say that word (laughs) yeah and I will say that... that, that <laughs> wow, they, I just got shit on. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard, but they did manage to make a beer called When the Shit Hits the Fan. Cool. Which what, is, did they put a little... little uh, I don't know. Like, there may have been a little guano in there. I'm not for sure. Oh, wow. Guano? Like bat, bat guano. I, I don't know. <laughs> Max Immortal guano. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 turn our attention to Ron because he's the star here, and we gotta we gotta grill him. It's true. Yeah. How did yeah, you get in this position? Well, well, unfortunately, I can't stay for the whole show, so my talk yeah, is ticking. Well, that's, that's why I want to I want to get in there. No, he can. He's he's out of here at ten. Yeah, I'm I'm in a I'm in a pin a competitive pinball league here in San Francisco, and I've got a match at seven. That is so cool. Wait, see, tell me that's a that joke. is so cool. You see curling? Uh, it's pinball. Oh, that's awesome. all right. Why did I think there was going to be a fucking curling joke after that? <laughs> <sighs> wow, Ron. See, I do my best to to give these keep these guys constantly updated through PMs and emails and stuff, but they just never return. Oh my! You Lord, know, so they would have known that, that yeah. I did better. I, I'm the ringleader, and they just yeah, never pay attention to me. The whip right. cracks, but they don't hear it. Yeah, so. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How did you get yourself in this position? What led you to this? 
Uh, well, so so as many as you could probably guess by me talking about Twenty First Amendment or whatever, and some might know, I live in San Francisco, um, and I have been here for five years, and that happens to be across the bay from Berkeley, which is where Image Comics is headquartered. Um, and so, just through the day to day of being who I am and doing my fanboy and working at graphically and and just going to cons and all that sort of stuff, I befriended a lot of the folks at Image, just in you know just you know in natural social circles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Branwyn who runs there, she's their accountant, uh, just the, runs the accounting department there. Um, Jonathan and Vince who are in production and just like just they're just all great people and they're all big comic enthusiasts and uh, of course you know, um, but then of course also uh, Eric Stevenson and I uh, kind of struck up a friendship. He's the publisher of Image, and we've been hanging out for you know a few years now uh share a lot in common outside of comics you know like he's a big record collector and big big into music and uh, a lot of the same kind of bands and stuff like that 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 i'm i'm into and so you know just would you know go go out drinking and just go hang out and actually um a couple of years ago he actually hit me up saying hey this might be a crazy idea but have you ever thought about working for image you know coming and working here and I kind of laughed it off because, um, because A, I was doing iFanboy and I realized if I worked at Image, I couldn't do iFanboy. And, and I was working at the time, I was working very hard in iFanboy. Um, but then also, I mean, and I, I know you got, I mean, I know, you know, Jason knows this very intimately and Chris and Vincent, D- David, you might know a little, but like comics isn't my only and iFanboy is my only world. Like I've, I've had a, you know, 10 plus year career in the technology field and stuff like that. Um, and for anybody who knows the economics, the economics of comics are very different than the economics of tech. And so it was the kind of thing where, where, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where I was kind of, I kind of, you know, it was combination of, I know what, I know what, um, you know, the salaries in the comic industry are like. And let's just say it wasn't anything that, that was attracted to me, but also the, the, the job he was talking to me about at the time was honestly probably if I was like 25, I would have jumped all over, but me being in my thirties, it was probably a little too junior. Um, so, so yeah, so that came up and that just went away and, and just life went on and whatever. And then, um, and then just this past November we were hanging out and a similar conversation came up and he said, you know, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about coming to work for image? And I said, we had this conversation now and whatever. And then we started talking and he started, Eric basically laid out this vision for what he want, what him and, uh, Robert Kirkman and the other partners want for the company, which is basically, Hey, we've had this we're 20 years old. We've had an amazing success in, in 2012. We had one of our, it was one of their best years ever, you know, going all the way back to the nineties and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it, it, it's not enough and they don't want to rest in the, their laurels and they want to keep pushing and keep growing and keep doing better. Respect. And yeah. yeah. And so, and so that, that got my attention. I said, I said, and so I kind of put my chin, my fist under my chin and I go, tell me more. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so, and so we had <laughs> nice. a long, a long, long conversation about what, what the image is doing and where some of their, um, some, what they're good at, what they're not so good at. And then, then also, um, in December, I flew down to LA and both, uh, Eric and me and Robert, uh, Kirkman had a, a, a long, we had a long lunch and then a long meeting after that lunch and talking about those sort of things and just basically where they were coming from. I'm seeing what I was doing graphically and what I was doing with iFanboy and then also what I did at MorrisonCon um, and other stuff, you know, kind of made them think that I was a guy who could help them, you know, grow in the areas that they want to grow in. Um, and so from there, we sketched out kind of what a position that was, you know, of my level or of my point, you know, like the point I am in my career. And, that, and not to say like I'm some hot shit, but it's the kind of thing like, you know, for those of you who work, I'm not going to take a coordinator job. You know, I'm, th- I'm going to be, you know, I'm 35. Like I'm, you know, it's got to be at a certain level, you know, not to say that oh, I'm an executive, but it's a, it's you a, you want to get shit you know, done. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. And be in a position where you can get yeah. shit done. And so we just hashed that out and then hashed out all the other details. And, and then I said, okay, let me go think about it. And of course I, I went to go, um, uh, my fr- then my next conversation was with Josh and Connor, um, who are, you know, my pod, you know, my podcasting and site brothers and I fanboy and also two of my best friends in the world. And I, I got to tell you guys and I'll tell you guys cause you're my friends and, and everybody who listens, but like I, I, ag- I agonized over this. It was I like, imagine. I, oh yeah. I mean, like, and I put it off. I put it off for like a week. I was like, I need to talk to them about it because I needed to, I needed them to be on board because I wouldn't have done it if they weren't. Cause the last thing I wanted to see was that this could kill my fanboy. So finally I got the courage to talk to them. It's like, it was like breaking up. It was like breaking up with a girl that you have no, there's nothing wrong with the relationship. You know, like yeah, there was right. no, you know, like, and, um, and it wasn't even like breaking up with a girl because like a hotter girl came by. It just, you know, like it, it wasn't even that. Like, and there's still a part of me that, that is, it still isn't okay with it. That still isn't accepted it, you know? But, um, but so I, I, exp- I basically explained to them, you know, what the deal was. And, um, I, and maybe this is a testament to our friendship, but they couldn't have been more supportive. Um, oh, uh, jo- Josh's, Josh, Josh's response was, you're crazy if you don't do it. Um, and Connor's responses, which I think you guys would, would appreciate was a little more, a little more tempered, a little more metered. If you know Connor well, this won't surprise you, but he, he basically said, you know, it's comics. So if this is what you want to do, then yeah, go for it. With that caveat being, it's a fucked up industry. It's crazy business. And we've (laughs) been so on the inside. We know how a lot of it works. And him basically saying, you know, like knowing what you know going into it, if you still want to do it, then yeah, go for it. Um, and so, yeah. So, and then so accepted. And I mean, literally this all happened like over the Christmas break. Like it happened so fast. And, and, uh, yeah. Do you, do you think it's an advantage because you already have a very good idea of how the sausage is made that if you were coming from, you know, another industry, you know, I look at someone from, you know, like Axel Alonso who came from, from publishing, but came in, do you think that there was like a catch up time for him to, you know, realize what the industry is like. Is that is that an advantage for you because you kind of already have a pretty good idea? Um, yes and no. I mean, because because the thing is, is that like we sit here on our on Skype and we talk about the industry and we talk with such um, knowledge of it. And you know, honestly, we don't we don't know half the shit that goes on. No, no, no. We yeah. speculate. So, we're yeah. kind of like political pundits. And so yeah, we, we we're 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 kind of uh, speculating to an audience. And if you got into the real, you know, the real conversation, no, nah, we we don't really know what's going on. But you could have an idea. Yeah, exactly. I have, have an idea, and and admittedly, a lot of the work that I did in the past two years or three years, of graphically working on the digital side of things, it gave me a little more of an idea. And while I I do think it did help, I think because it helped me with my confidence to say yes, I can do it, and yes, I can you know step in and do this. But after being there three days, I'm like shit. I don't know. I don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like after after like the the meetings and all the stuff that I've been in right now, I'm like I've got a lot of learning to do. But that's great because that's 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 what I want to do. I want to be challenged and I want to be you know like I want to be a sponge and I want to learn as much as I can about it. So yeah. Nice. Now we 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 realize it's an art form, but do they treat it like a business at Image? Is it is it like when you have meetings? Is it that that cold business speak kind of kind of situation, or is it low key and just hanging out? And we got to do this. Like you get job the job done, but is it like what is the atmosphere at Image? I always try to picture it behind the scenes. Well, uh, well, and that's and that's the thing is that it's it's tough because it is like I said the the I, and I and I'm getting to know everybody who works there, but um, it's a small company. You know, I mean, like it's you know maybe fifteen people total in the office doing mm-hmm. everything. 
Um, I, 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 I got to count, but I'll do it later, whatever. But, um, and as far as I can tell, the majority of them all have some sort of foot in comics and some sort of appreciation. There's, you know, um, but that said, it is a business. And so, like, so it's not stuffy and boring as you would expect, you know, like any kind of business office to be or whatever. Like, they're still, you know, there's, you know, I mean, we, we work in one of the most colorful industries in the world. So there's, you know, colors everywhere and art everywhere and books everywhere and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, everybody's behind their desk behind their computers working away because we've got 40 books to put out every month you know mm-hmm. um so it's it's from and i've only been there three days so i can't really you know totally comment on the culture but um uh, i mean it is i've been i've been in the offices of of marvel dc image i think that's it um and image definitely feels more of a creative uh, environment, I think, because of the size difference between Marvel and DC. You walk into Marvel and DC's office, and while Marvel's cool and they've got art and everywhere, and DC's got the whole lobby with Clark Kent or anything like that. Once you get past all that, it's a bunch of cubes and offices, yeah, and it's just it's work. It's uh, a man. It's a Manhattan office. It's. Yeah. Do, do you feel a difference the the East Coast versus West Coast vibe of it? Um, you know, not 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 really, and maybe because I've been here for so long, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. but 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 also you got to understand, like I came from, I'm coming from. After work, I worked for, you know, 10 years in corporate environments. I worked for seven years for Starwood Hotels and, and in, you know, as stuffy office park in Westchester. No offense, David. And, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> none taken. <laughs> you Full know, disclosure, you, I'm a Starwood uh, shareholder, but. Okay, there you go. I, I am no longer because I sold all that <laughs> shit when I could. But, um, no, not, it's great stock. I would, I, I sold it at a good Take price. No, you would have been proud, Jason. It pretty much, nice. it pretty much paid for my move out here. But anyway. Nice. Um, no, but but David, you remember where Starwood used to be on 287, that office park right off yep. of uh, yeah. So like, talk about it, boring and stuffy. I came out to San Francisco. I've been working at startups where you know I can wear jeans and a t-shirt and shorts in the summer and like, and it's you know peop, you know you got to duck the people playing football in the in the cube uh, hall aisles and you know a very light, laid back, lax atmosphere. Um, and so what really attracted me to that image is that even though they're a 20 year old company, because they're so small and because they're innovating and doing what they're doing, it feels like a startup. You know, so it's got yeah. that, it's got that creative, you know, not, but not as lax, you know, there's no, I haven't seen any, you know, uh, you know, spur the moment wiffle ball games in the hallway yet, but, you know, but I get the sense <laughs> that, I get the sense that everybody that works there is very kind of tight and they, you know, they, they socialize together and stuff like that. And I like that kind of atmosphere. So, yeah. yeah. It's when, uh, you know, kind of always, always kind of pushing the envelope, always kind of, that, that image is always kind of trying to be on the edge of, of what's pushing mainstream comics. Yep. So, yeah, is my and, take. And, yeah, and, and honestly, that, that that spirit that you know Eric told me about back in November that they didn't want to rest on their laurels is absolutely there. I mean, every conversation is. I mean, what's what's what I was afraid of going into it is like, okay, are we, are, you know, are, are how conscious are they of what what's going on at Marvel and DC? How you know competitive are they? Are they you know trying to outdo them or whatever? But like everyone's got their heads down doing their thing and realized that the only way to put the best possible product is to do a, um, put their heart in it and be, you know, as independent and creative as possible. And I, I yeah. was like, awesome. That's great. When in a few years, there's not a walking dead TV show is our things going to change radically. You know, what's you, you, I mean, everybody talks about the walking yeah. dead. I mean, I think, I think we as, a, as pundits and media, um, overestimate the influence of the walking dead in terms of images, day to day stuff. That that's um, why I brought it up is yeah. is you know I I think there's a perception out there that you know The Walking Dead is the majority of Image's business now. 
Right, which it, which it is which it is absolutely is not. I can tell you the the number of times The Walking Dead has come up in conversations in the past uh, three days has probably been on like less than two hands, you know. Well, uh, yeah, and, and I think that that speaks to the uh, image's unique model, right? Which is that uh, I think a lot of people don't, you know, people that are sort of inside comics or, or you know have their heads totally up comics industry's ass, like all of us. We, yeah. We've known for a long time that Image, you know, has a, a unique licensing model where they basically, you know, let the creators keep the vast majority of the incremental profits and just, you know, the creators pay for the fees to, you know, to market and produce the books. And, and then, you know, if they if they do well, they can make sort of an ungodly amount of money. So, so you know, from Image's standpoint, I mean, the money that they get from, you know, Thief of Thieves you know, is probably less than they get from Walking Dead, but in terms of like Walking Dead, the phenomenon, I mean, that's largely Kirkman's to to gain, right? I mean, and Kirkman's a partner, so I'm sure he has considered reinvesting some of his assets into seeing Image grow. But I mean, ultimately, you know, at Image, you are, you know, a creator can can make his own lot in life. You know, he could be wildly successful and and doesn't have to split the sort of proceeds with with Image. So it's an interesting model. I've always sort yeah. of wondered how it, uh, you know, like. I mean, I, I, I mean, not that I'm asking you to say this, but I often wonder, like, if you do sit there and if, like, they're sitting there and, and like, looking at what a ridiculous phenomenon Walking Dead is and thinking, like, damn, maybe we should, maybe we should have had a vertigo model, like, you know, just because. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, and and that's and honestly, that's what's what I find kind of most interesting is that that question, you know, and like the thing yeah. is, is that like the the mandate of Image is to put out the is to be you know to put out the best comics that they can and to create a um a environment where comics creators can come and have full ownership um you know and i think i think that as the industry um evolves and as people you know like get you know chew with their deal of showtime and and we just saw the six gun at 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 oni go you know is going to nbc and you know things like that you know it it becomes more of a you know like the bigger you know like i i was i was listening to suntress talk to augie on word balloon about image and augie kept on flipping i love augie he's a friend of mine but he kept on flippantly saying like well the real money's in 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 licensing and the real money's in the hollywood deals and stuff like that it's like you know a, I don't think so. There, I mean, like I've now I've been behind the curtain. I've seen the numbers, and and people are doing, you know, people do all right. Like the the comic comic when a comic is a success, it does pretty well. Um, and then it puts the it puts the onus of expanding that you know media empire into the hands of that creator. And if they want to do that, they can totally do that. Um, right. But yeah, but it, it does. You, you got to wonder. What would happen if you if that Vertigo model? And that's a big, bigger business question, you know. But the thing is, is that Vertigo's had that model where they own a piece of it. How many? How much stuff has come out of Vertigo? Definitely, definitely. Con- yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. So. But uh, but yeah, but I just you know, and I assume most of our listeners are aware of how Image works. But just in case, you know, that, that yeah. people weren't aware of, just you know, that you guys have a very unique business model, much different than even the other, you know, mm-hmm. the other sort other. of sector. Mid, you know, mid-tier publishers, you know, the non-big two that that have some kind of, you know, uh, yeah. notoriety. Dark Tower, IDW, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But, but, Dark Horse. Dark Horse. One thing to, to Image's credit, uh, even though they have a number of, pro- like Walking Dead is obviously a phenomenon outside of comics and, and you have Chew, but you, you don't get the feeling that they're throwing shit against the wall to see what's going to stick. No. In the in the the entertainment industry, they're 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 pushing the envelope. They're trying a, a a shitload of different genres and themes and characters, and but it doesn't seem um, like there's a means to the end other than producing good comics. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, case in, case in point, I had a conversation with Brian K. Vaughan almost a year ago now. Uh, it was at the Image Expo last year in February, and it was the Sunday. 
it was Sunday after the con had wrapped up, and it was it was me and and I'm, I don't mean to be name dropping, but to, to give you the you guys have been to cons to give you the idea of the environment. It was in the hotel lobby at like five thirty, and it was uh, Eric Stevenson, Jonathan Hickman, Brian K. Vaughn, me. You know, just kind of hanging out, you know, just like sitting around, just saying goodbye to people and stuff like that. And I kind of turned to Brian. I was talking to him about it and I was, you know, and, and I was saying, you know, for Saga, like, why image? Like, why didn't you go back to Vertigo or couldn't you have gone back to Marvel, or whatever? And he said that after his experience at Vertigo, um, you know, with why and, and with all the last man, all stuff like that, um, image was the only place that would allow him to create and put out Saga and ensure that it will never get adapted to a, to a movie or TV, TV show. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because he only wants it to be a comic book, and Image was the only place that he had 100% control to make that happen or not happen. Now, if they came to Brian K. Vaughan with a bucket of money and saying, hey, we want to make a TV show out of Saga, I'm sure he'd probably consider it. But his initial vision is that this is a comic book and will only be a comic book. So uh, I think that's really interesting. It's really compelling. So That's the one thing about Saga that surprised me the most. We are – Long-time readers, uh, I, I hesitate to combine the number of years we've all read comics. Hmm. And just, just when you think you, you, there's nothing new on the horizon, that nothing is going to surprise you, Image comes out with not one but three series that just totally spun, at least my head. And I know, like Saga, Multiple Warheads, and, and Orkstein, unlike anything. Mm-hmm. That, well, that the, we've the, seen. And, and the thing is, those, those are three that say it, but like, go, even expand it. Look at uh, Revival from uh, Norton and Seeley, right. who's a buddy of all of ours. I mean, rural noir, I've never even heard of that genre before. Like, that's like, <laughs> like you know, I, I mean, and, and, and there's a testament to it because we saw, as we saw today, unfortunately, now ABC is ripping them off. Like, that's how good it is. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's which is, you off. know, but, um, yeah, and now we know and, how Bill Willingham feels. Yeah, exactly, and th- and that's and that's really the thing. That's the, really the thing that attracted me to it is that like, I, don't get me wrong, I love Marvel. You guys know how much I love Marvel. Oh yeah, you have an X Men tattoo on your arm. I mean, exactly. Don't tell my parents. Um, oh, or, uh, they, I think they stopped lis- listening after episode two hundred. So yeah, I think so. Um, but the, but Chris. the thing is, is that like, if if Marvel came, <laughs> if, Mar- nice. if Marvel came to me and offered offered me a similar job as this, I don't know if I would take it. Because yeah. it's it's uh, because the, the 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 okay so the the ana- the the analysis the, not the analysis but the uh, example I'm giving about this job basically is like I've been a huge fan of music you know you guys we've talked a lot about it all stuff like that I grew up in the punk scene and the hardcore scene I feel like I landed a job at Discord Records oh <laughs> right and, and, yeah. And if, with, yeah with Marvel or DC you know that you know the ceiling with something at, at Image the there are there are limitless possibilities. Well, that's the thing. The ceiling at Marvel and DC is imposed upon you. It's set. You, you, it's you set, can only yeah. do so much. Where Image, right. it's pure, unbridled creation, just for it's the sake of making empire. damn good comics. And, and that's and that's oh, the thing. And that's not to say. And, that, and, that, and, and that's not to say that that innovation can't happen at Marvel and DC. It can. I mean, sure. I literally yeah. just I literally within just published reason. The, yeah, but I literally just published the pick of the week uh, on ifanboy.com, my last pick of the week, Would you pick? and. Um, my in your travels because I won't be around for it because oh. I got to run. But um, it's going to be Young Avengers number one. Oh, and, nice. nice! Yeah, and and the reason why and what it boils down to is that this is I've been doing this site for twelve years. This book is by creators who were not around when I start when we started the site, uh, uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. And it features characters who were not around when we started the site, much less were not around except for Marvel Boy when Kieran and Jamie broke in in two thousand six. And like and so, Young Avengers to me is 
is the potential future of Marvel in that this is a a young, a, a, you know, dynamic creative team doing newish characters, doing you know, pushing the envelope of what can tell in superhero stories, and I'm worried that this won't last twelve issues. Well, you and, know, it's it, it, yeah. it, it, it's one of the amazing things that you know I wanted to bring up with you as as a fellow podcaster. Um, and there are a few a few books out there that I hold near and dear to my heart that I really think that podcasting, if not kept them afloat, I think they gave them a, a sufficient uh, push off you know off the docks to 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 stay out there for a while. And Phonogram was one of those books that I think the podcast community really uh, rallied behind and i fanboy and around comics were, were two of the two of the shows that that really that 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 really rallied behind that book and that was kieran and and, and jamie and now we see that they've you know that that the industry and and marvel has has realized kind of the the talent that that they have and that's something that i'm really proud of and i know that you hold that book pretty pretty near and dear to you as well yeah yeah and because because that's the thing is that like we, we talk about it on iFanboy all the time, and I talk about it when I talk about music, or I talk about it when I talk about comics. Like, I want what's new. I like while I love. Don't get me wrong. I, I you know I enjoy Jim Lee. I enjoy you know like you know um, the X Men. You know the the vets, the X Men, and all that sort of thing. Like, yeah. give me something I've never seen before. Like that's why I've been so attracted to work like David Aha. Like uh, you know like. Talk about inspired work that looks like nothing else on the racks, like with that Hawkeye mm-hmm. book. Um, and so you can, there's room for that innovation within there, but it's, it's really hard for that to break through at Marvel and DC. I mean, like, yeah. j- just for example, like, you know, um, I, for the first time ever today, I hunted a variant cover for Young Avengers because I wanted the Brian Lee O'Malley cover. Um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, I talked to, I talked to, you know, Kieran and Jamie about it when that got announced and they had to fight for that. Like, yeah. like you would think a, no, Brian, a Brian Lee O'Malley cover would be a no-brainer, but Marvel, you know, like, well, no, you know, like, we know what works, we know what sells, and our numbers do this, and I'm speculating on the conversation, but they just told me that they had to, they had to fight to get Brian Lee to, O'Malley to be able to do it. Um, he wanted to, whether or not Marvel let him to, and that that's what's rough, and, but at Image, it's like a, a no-brainer, because you can just do whatever, and some things might work, some things might not work, but at least they're trying. So. Right. Well, well speak, speaking of, of music and, uh, and your love of music, because this is one of the things that, you know, when Ron and I talk, it's probably more about music than it is comics anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this comes from uh, Andrew Shaw, uh, uh, and he's asking, the best comic-related song or music? And, Ron, do you have... Comic-related... Well... Okay. Well, this okay. This will be a little um, obscure to to you guys, but maybe somebody out there listening. There was a there was a hardcore band in the '90s called uh, uh, there was a band called Dead Guy, and then they broke up and they formed a band called Kiss It Goodbye. And the singer, I believe, if the story goes, the singer was a comics fan, and so um, they put. A, I have I, like for example, I just pulled my iTunes and I have two records, and one one of their songs is called uh, Preacher. Another song was called What If. Another song is called Man Thing. Right? <laughs> nice. That's so for awesome. Me, for me, Kiss It Goodbye and Dead Guy were always my favorite comics-related stuff. And also um, Art Brute. The, the guy from Art Brute is a big comic fan, and he, he's, he's made a lot of comics references and his stuff. And actually, McKelvey did the cover art for their last album. So. Right. Cool. Yeah. Anybody else? I, I like Jimmy Olsen's blues, really, just because it is just so damn corny. Wow. <laughs> good, good answer. Mm-hmm. I would say the theme song 
for the 60s Spider-Man cartoon. Wow. But played by, by the, the Ramones. Ramones. Nice. Yeah. Well done. On Saturday morning cartoons, I have that CD. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't That's get awesome. much better than that. It's pretty good. Mine's uh, mine's from uh, uh, 1372 Overton Park. Uh, it's an album by Lucero, and they've got a track on there called uh, The Devil and uh, Maggie uh, Chescarillo. <laughs> okay. Nice. It's uh, Jason, that's Maggie from Love and Rockets. That's, it's a Love and Rockets song. It's ah, awesome. there you go. Yeah. Yay. He's yeah. coolest. <laughs> but- oh, yay. Yay. I mean, for for me, it's uh, it's something, and I think Ron knows this because uh, I know he may have even like I fanboy I think did a review of it. But uh, Adam Warrock, uh, you know, who is a um, hip hop artist, but uh, it's he all his music is based around comics. He uh, he put out an EP uh, about the West Coast Avengers. It was basically a theme album, uh, and and as a longtime Avengers fan and hip hop fan, that's like perfection of of those two things. The confluence of those two things was awesome. So. Hmm. Cool. I have I, I and this is this is more I guess personal in nature to Ron only because and I know that when when all was said and done after Morrison Khan and 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 Ron says you know if we do do another one it, it's obviously not going to be with Morrison it's not going to be for a while it's not something we're going to do every year. <laughs> I got to interject here. Jerry McDade on the EOC live tweet says Morrissey Con question yeah. mark. Yeah, uh-huh. which made me think of this, but it's, um, are our future creator specific cons off the table now? Is that or is, I mean, was that a, a a side gig for you that that doesn't interfere with the conflict of interest thing? Well, yeah, that that well that that was a side gig to begin with, and will continue to be a side gig. Um, there, you know, there there are. Um, it might happen, might not happen. That's, that's where it is right now. Um, you know, before I took the gig, of course, I talked to, uh, James and Kirsten from Isotope, who are my partners at Morrison Con, let them know what's happening, as well as, you know, of course, uh, Eric at Image knows that what I, you know, that I did it, um, did do the con. And really at this point, at this point, we, Morrison Con knocked the shit out of us so hard that we haven't even, like, as a group, we're like, yeah, it'd be great to do it again. Let's talk about it later. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where we are right now. Um, we, but we've already kind of had ideas as to who it could be and, and what we could do and, and that sort of thing. Um, but right now, right now there's no hard and, hard and solid plans. I couldn't even, I yes. you couldn't even tell you when or what you know, or whatever, but you know, I was actually could, you know, taking shit from listeners, um, for mentioning it so many weeks in a row. <laughs> I, had to, I had to put a Morrison cat. Yeah, that's why you didn't. Listen, uh-huh. listen. Oh. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not surprised, and I don't blame them. But like, it's it fucking was cra- it's cra- still to this day it's crazy. I it mean, was, like, it was. Neat. I mean, like, yeah. people on a daily basis are still talk people who went like our goal, and I'll give and I'll give James at Isotope credit for for it. But like, our goal with that was always. Um, to change the world with that convention, like that's what we, it, 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 was, a lot, it was like a, like a mini Woodstock for comics. Yeah, it really exactly. Was. Yeah, and 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 James's own personal goal for 2012 was like was to make was to make the world a happier and magical place. And, <laughs> and honestly, Morrison Con did that. Like, there's a there there is a couple that met at Morrison Con. She's from Kansas. He's from Australia. They. She, they recently took a picture of them together holding a sign that said, thank you, Morrison Khan, because now he's moving to the States to be with her after they nice. met Morrison Khan. Like, that's, that's crazy. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm well, moving, you know what? I'm, I'm moving in with Ron next month. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> who who Surprise. else but 
but Kirkman could command an entire convention like Morrison. Uh, Neil oh, Gaiman. No. We, yeah, but the, uh, well, I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to give away our plans, but we, nah. we we've we we have we have thought about that long and hard, and we we know how to deal with that. So, it, nice. so when, Obama, when Obama. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how about Bendis? We can have it yeah. at the VFW. Yeah, on, I mean, I'm just curious. What do you think? Because you're not really a reader of this book, so this would be interesting to hear perspective. What are your? If you had to, based on your own experience of running a creator-specific con. What do you think um, people should expect of FablesCon? Do you think it's going to be a success, or is it going to be a little sketchy? Well, I, I hope they're I hope they're packing a, a warm coat. Well, sure, it's, sure. It's, it's in it's in Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah, it's March. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, honestly, I don't I don't know. I hope I hope that they I hope that they can expect as as great of a time as we had at Morrison Con. That that when you get the great thing about it is that when you go to New York Comic Con or go to San Diego Comic Con, it is a confluence of tens right. to hundreds of thousands of people who have some things in common. But when you go to a small intimate thing, you're all there for the same reason, and it builds an energy in the room that is just almost Im- impossible to describe. And yeah. if I if I were a big Fable Fables fan, I was going to FablesCon. That's what I would. That's what I'm gonna would be walking away from. Going, oh my God, these are my people, you know. And hopefully sure. they they get that. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it's who like knows? The old I Star no, Trek I, conventions. I know, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But I know yeah. nothing about what they're doing at FablesCon. So. Well, Other I can vouch what you were saying that Rochester is freaking cold and in the boonies because. Yeah, I was right. there about a year year ago. Uh, See, we, we know how we know how to throw a party. Let's go to Vegas. You know, like that's, that's right. the plan. <laughs> yeah, that is. It's a big draw. It's a big draw relative to Rochester. That's for sure. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, but the 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 and the thing is, is that I can't and I can't talk about specifics and I can't talk about you know like whatever. But uh, if you think that I'm at image and I'm not thinking about ways to rethink uh, things, then then you know then don't you know don't underestimate what I'm what know, I'm thinking. Then about you don't yeah. know Ron Richards exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, well, I told, you, I told uh, him, I, I, I told him I told Robert and Eric that that like I was like listen I go I want to come in and flip tables over and light shit on fire. Like that's you know like that's that, that like like I want to look at what we're doing and say why are we doing it look at it with fresh eyes and and they were like yeah go for it so like that's that's really exciting so you can't take the punk out of the boy <laughs> yep exactly are you because um, we all know how friendly Twitter makes everybody but are <laughs> is is your position more are, are people going to be able to reach out to you and and throw things at you, offer suggestions, things like that, or is this mostly a an executive type position where it's like you know, I, I appreciate the input, but you can't really talk to me the way you used to when I was doing the podcast type thing. No, no, no. I mean, like the the thing is, is that like I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm a very public person and right. that I've lived my life in public for the past you know seven years, and I have no plans to change that. But um, but I'm I'm aware of the fact that now I represent a a a company that isn't one that I created and and you know there are other people above me and all that sort of thing. So I'm going to be responsible in that. Sure. Um, but no, but a- absolutely. I mean, like I am. You know, people can throw questions at me on Twitter, on Facebook, all they want, or email, or whatever. Like I will always. You know, like I'm nothing without, and all of us are nothing without the people who listen to us bl- blather on. Um, it's just hopefully everyone understands that I that sometimes I won't be able to a either a give them the answer they want to hear or. Or B, give them an answer at all, but they'll always be heard. So, yeah, I, I, I I'm not, I'm not going to shut up. Don't, that don't means that up. you're going to accept my phone calls. Uh, well, no, those before, before I start now. Yeah, exactly. 
but, sorry, no, that, but, sorry, sorry I butt-dialed you last week. <laughs> no, but that, that is that, – that, yeah, that was very funny. I got a five-minute voicemail from Neesman. I'm like, what is this? That I just I just hear like door shut, walk, walk, walk. And then like, I was like oh, – and, and actually I was walking into Revolution uh, Brewing to buy beer. I, I know exactly when it happened. So, yeah, you talk to <laughs> That's really hoppy, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't listen to it all. I got shit to do, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Speaking of, don't you have to? You got to leave us pretty soon, don't you? Yeah, yeah. no, I got a little bit of time. I, I'm just going up to the upper hate. It's just up this up the hill, so I, I got about another ten minutes or so. so. Just going to the upper hate. Mm. But um, uh, yeah. So what else? Come, come at me. What else? What else you want to know? Yeah. My question, because um, I remember talking to the C2E2 folks uh, several years ago when they first started and and this is when Reed was kind of coming into the whole convention business and they were trying to get a grip on what the whole industry was and they they didn't really understand what image was and you know it's like there's Marvel and there's you know the DC and and Dark Horse you know an image for for their you know from a convention uh, a, a convention perspective image is really just kind of a collection of creators you know for 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 that show and and so they had to kind of wrap their heads around the idea that it that that image is a publisher but it's also kind of a collective of creator owned properties and they they had trouble with that so uh it's kind of what we started with the show you know as you as you kind of come into to this job with you know business development and 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 working with the the company and the the how how conventions are part of your business how do you how do you promote image as an umbrella and and you know where do you do that because i know that you guys have to be strategic about it um yeah and and to be honest i i don't i'm not sure yeah. Um, you know, I'm still I'm still figuring that out. Um, I I would disagree with you that it's a that it's a collective and that no no it is a publisher. Um, it is very much a publisher and that it is very much a, a you know um eye on. You know, I, I, creating, I, I, you know. I guess that's from the and and that's a bad way to put it. But it's like you know you uh, image isn't at every show, but there are always image creators at every show. Is is maybe right. where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is is that like, you know, it's it's kind of it's tough because when you say what is the Marvel brand, you know immediately that's Spider-Man. You know, or like and and that gives you a, a or DC, you know immediately Superman, Batman. That gives you a that's an helpful. idea of what yeah. superhero books and all that sort of stuff. Image, you can't nail down what it is because there's no i mean it's not just the walking dead it's not just zombie books it's not just you know um you know i mean you can't pin down the genre um you know and I, that's why i like image has a new like big property every year it's like this year it's yeah. saga you yeah. know last, last year it was chew and yeah. you know it i mean honestly honestly it's been said before i'm not the first person to say this but it really truly is like the amc or hbo of comics Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you can't say that you can't say that. Oh, I'm going to turn on HBO and I know what I'm going to get every time because Game of Thrones couldn't be more different than the newsroom. Yeah, yeah right. True. You know, yeah, yeah. So, um, I and I like that a lot, and I think that puts it in th- that puts it in a context that people can understand a little better. That it is just a place for it is just a place for quality entertainment. 
Well, so I mean, obviously, you work. You're going to work day to day with Stevenson. Um, you said there's yeah. like 15 people in the in the in the company. I mean, are are guys like? I mean, is Larson at the office on a run the right? No, no, he? no. He he used to be. So when Larson right. lived in Oakland, he used to have, his studio was the office. But he um, he actually fulfilled his uh, one of his life dreams of moving back into the city and getting a nice you know San Francisco Victorian you know kind of house. So he moved yeah. into a house in the Upper Haight. So he's over in San Francisco now. So he um, he draws in his house and at a coffee shop in the Upper Haight. So he's very rarely over. At at the office anymore but um he and i he and i but that's another reason like he and i he's like literally like uh, um you know a, a two-minute drive from my house yeah. like we're, we're practically neighbors so, he's a so hood, for the past, he? yeah he's great he, uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah but um but uh yeah so he's so he's no, but he no longer comes to the office as much he's just pretty much in his own savage dragon land so mm-hmm. yeah good but yeah, no, I'm going to be working. Yeah, so so yeah, I mean, I know the you know, you know director of business development is, is a little bit of a you know whatever eye rolling t- title, but re- you know it's tough to nail down what I'm doing because you know because really I'm coming in. At- yeah, and, and like mainly, I'm focusing on I'm focusing on you know uh, the sales aspect of it. I'm I'm working with Diamond. I'm working with the retailers, like all that sort of stuff on on you know making sure stuff stays in print and making sure stuff is is you know positioned correctly. And sure. what can we do to you know to get the word out? I'm working very closely with with Jen De Guzman, who's there, uh, who's the director of marketing and PR on marketing strategies and PR strategies and all that sort of stuff. You know, like she, me, and Eric today, we're in a meeting for an, for an hour and a half, you know, planning things and and figuring out how we're going to handle stuff and you know. So it's um you know so my hands gonna be and of course the digital side of the business is gonna be a big thing big reason why I'm there um you know but let me ask you guys a question so yeah I, I mean you, you know I listen every week and I listen you I know and point. I hear you guys I'm sorry I, of course no I do um and I hear you guys I hear you guys talk so much about um what you know what you like and what you don't like and all that sort of stuff um what is what should what advice or what do you want to see from Image what can I do to help the uh, help Image. <laughs> Fridays are crackly, dude. Uh, uh, oh, oh, of course. It's perfect time for Vince to get crackly. Uh, <laughs> n- um, you you talked about it earlier. I am bored with comics in a lot of ways, and image image is one of the you know, kind of the 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 lights in the industry for new ideas. I just want to keep seeing new ideas. Uh, it's uh, I'm. I'm to the point I'm tired of old characters and I can finally admit that to myself. And so, you know, image is kind of one of the places that, you know, I focus on, on going to, to read stuff like revival and saga because me personally, I don't really, I don't really care about Spider-Man anymore. I've, I've read them all. I'm ready to, to move on. So I want new stories. So yeah, keep it, keep it fresh. Okay. Am I crackling? Yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jason's gonna go. Um. You know. Well, look. Um. Uh, as we will hear next week, I'm a huge fan of Image and what you guys are doing. Um. I think if anything, I I just would love to figure out a way for, and this is a daunting task. It's something I'm sure that you guys think about every day, and and every small publisher or smaller publisher thinks about every day. I just like to figure out a way for. Like I think we we all wonder a lot about why comics can't get more popular again, and there are lots of reasons, and we've all talked about the ad nauseum, you know, print and reading and all that. Like, but but putting that aside, I always feel like it's the it's the 
you know, you said, Ron, you wouldn't have taken this job if you were at Marvel. And I think one of the reasons for that is that, you know, you have the opportunity to try aggressive, you know, different things. You don't have this, this big, giant, multi-billion dollar moat that you feel you need to protect the status quo. And so to that end, like, I'd love to see Image, like, take, you know, some some more chances in terms of just getting their product out there. Uh, and to be seen and experienced by other people, and I'm not sure if I knew how to do it. If I knew how to do it, I would just, you know, I drop you an email and say, "Hey, you should be doing this." But so, so I'm not suggesting <laughs> it's something easy to do. But I just mean, like, you know, um, again, I mean, you know, you're still pretty much living in the paradigm of the direct market and, you know, the diamond catalog and being a preferred vendor, you know, and that's all fine yeah. and dandy because because it's keeping the lights on and it's obviously you're doing something right because Image is having a great bunch of years. But but I just I, I'd, I'd love to see, you know. Given the quality and the and the 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 breadth of the type of of creators that you guys managed to find, and I, I guess a lot of credit must go to Eric. I'm assuming for for you know knowing what to pick. I mean, I've I've always wondered how I've always wondered like how many pitches Image gets versus how many they accept because so many. Yeah, the level of quality, <laughs> the okay. level of quality given the different types of books. I mean, you got. I mean, the you know they put out. You know, you guys put out everything from you know gruesome horror to to you know off the wall comedy to to espionage you know all these different genres and 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 regardless of whether people may like a particular genre i i think objectively the quality of an average image book is just off the charts and so i mean you, you clearly have a great eye for talent and a great eye for unique voices i just like to figure out a way to expand Images presence, um, you know, beyond the sort of walls of the LCS. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that would be a, an interesting thing. And, and again, I realize that's a, a, a you know, a sixty-five million dollar quest, but but it, it's sure. nonetheless what I think you guys should be really thinking about. All right, Dap. As soon as you said it, I, I was, and since Image United was brought up, I was thinking about just having, as far as what readers want to see and, and what we see all the time on forums online but as I'm thinking about I, I was thinking about making sure shit's finished before it's solicited but the only time that really is a problem seems to be and excluding Larson but I mean Image United <laughs> but I mean the founders the original seven whoever's left not including Jim Lee obviously but everybody else Norton and Seeley, Saga, everybody else is able to get their shit out, except the guys who kind of started it all. And that was really the only, because it, it, to this day, still 20 goddamn years later, I think of Imogen. If I think about it too long, I think about <laughs> late shift. And it, it, it really, it, it delays. And, and it, it pisses me off because I should be primary. And, and it's just because I guess I can hold a grudge, but I, it's just one no. of those things. No, really? no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But it, it should be one of those things where if I think about Image, I should be able to think about Saga or Revival or, or anything else. And it, it, it's just, I guess, um, I, I, it, it's, it's hard for me to say. I am really, I am really happy. I've learned to just consume things on my own schedule when I want to. So I don't rely on when other people are ready to give me what they're working on. I'll get to you, you got to it when you were working on it. I'll get to it when I want to read it. But I really don't have anything. When it's ready, that's when it's available to me. So there really isn't much that I would um, 
that I can really think about to, to that question. I know as soon as Vince answers it, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that one. But <laughs> I, I, I did like Jason's. But it, it is, I mean, as far as when when I'm not so, they have you now. I'm not so concerned about what goes on before it gets to me. I'm, I'm more concerned about what what I can read. And, and so it is, it's, it's a question I'm going to have to think about a little bit, I think. All right. Vince? I was not being facetious in the intro. I seriously want you to sit Todd down and say, <laughs> say, brother, you're the king of image. Your book was the big granddaddy in, in not only, you know, on the sales charts, Spawn topped it for years, right? He had a great thing going with this uh, end game with the Jim Downing character. He had a lot of attention, and I think that he squandered it in his choice of artist for the book. I'm not saying Kudransky's a bad artist. I think he's very good, but Jeff Lemire's a great artist, too. I wouldn't put him on Spawn. Do you know what I mean? I, I think he, he needs to reevaluate the book and bring it back to what it was, and it, it'll sell again. He'll be, and he's, he's keeping it at two ninety nine, which is very important. Uh, Savage Dragon is three ninety nine, right? So I, I think there's still a lot of love left in, in, the, in the industry for Spawn. It's just that when you open the book now, it's it's too dark and it there's it's soulless. There's really but not how much how much are you loving the covers? That's what I'm saying. He's nailing yeah. it on the story. He's yeah. nailing it on the covers. But no. w- once you open it up, it's just not. And I don't want it to be the same, and it never could be. But at least approximate that that the spawn was always wild. It was it was untamed. It's just so there's a it smacks of the sameness every page, yeah. and that's not spawn. Yep. Come, come on, Todd. Well, so based on that, from the four of you, I can't make any promises and I can't say anything, but I'm pretty confident that I'll probably be able to make about 70% of you guys happy. Oh, you know something. <laughs> Tell us right now. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's just funny because all of you hit on specific things that I've thought of too going into it. And, um, and I'm not going to say what or whatever, but some of them – I know for a fact I'll have a better chance of influencing than others, but I'm um, I'm sure as hell trying for everything. So you know, nice. if Kudransky leaves that book, I'm gonna take credit for it. You know, it. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it's, it's tough because it's tough because you've got. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a. You, I mean, you, you got to look at it where the, those founders. I mean, I have as much love and 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 respect for them as anybody. But you know, sure. it's it's you know, it's twenty. It was twenty years ago. Like it's it's you know, like it's it's. Um, what I think it's a combination of, and I'm speculating. I've not talked to any of the founders. I can't speak on their behalf or anything. I'm I'm speaking as a fan now. But I would have got to imagine that like it's probably a little bit of you know. Let's see. Let's see how good of a podcaster you are in twenty years. Combined with, <laughs> do you really want to still be podcasting in twenty years? Yeah. No. It, yeah. You know, exactly. So it, oh my god. Yeah, I do. Yeah. If I'm here with you, <laughs> fucks in twenty years, God, it will be the happiest time of your know, fucking life. Dude, that's true. Right. Yeah. Really. And, and the fucking brain. Down or bro. But it's 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 also the other thing when when you know when when Ron says I'm going to you know, talk to the founders. It's it's one of those things where if, if it's a, it's if like a room get, that no, you no, walk, no, but it's, there are spotlights that that shine down on each one of them. Well, Ooh. be honest, is Rob the bigger board. in in Kirkman's office or McFarland's <laughs> office? <laughs> Stop. Uh, no, I have no idea. I have not spoken to any of them. I am not currently on schedule to talk to any of them. Eric does the majority of the uh, talking to the partners as he should. He's the publisher, um, but um, but yeah, it's just it's it, it's interesting. Where all the founders are kept. 
No, not no. <laughs> but I mean, how much how much influence? I mean, if if image how often are, do you guys do blood sacrifices? <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> is uh, altar in Berkeley? What is there an altar? <laughs> no, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> yeah. I think our brother's got to go. Yeah, I do got to run though. Yeah, but, and um, we got to thank you for being here. And honestly, yeah. we envy you. Do good things. Go do good I'm, things. We I'm know you're. I mean, I promise you guys, I'm definitely going to try. So I want to give you a preview. Um, Ron, you're my biggest story of 2012. Oh wow! Wow, wow I don't deserve that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's what an honor. Yeah. <laughs> wow, thank you. <laughs> we love you, Ron. We'll right, hey, before I go, there's an EOC live tweet from uh, Electric Mayhem. What my favorite comic that involves food is, and it's Oishinbo, the manga about Japanese food. Oh, so nice. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah awesome. See, Young Avengers, Oishinbo, I'm not all, you know, like, and go read Image Comics. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> love you, brother. All right, we'll my brothers. You, yeah, buddy. I love, love you guys. I can't wait to see TV2 to put so for us to hang out and have a good time. Hopefully, uh, yeah. yeah. two of us will see you even sooner Speaking than that. Food, yeah. It, tr- as Chicago Tribune Best Chef of 2012, we're going. Awesome. I can't wait. So, be great. No doubt. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, I hope I didn't derail the show too much. And, no. Uh, I'll, I'll, hope I'll be on soon. So. Word up. All right. Yep. Later, boys. Be good. Bye. We'll see you. Have a good one. The pinball wizard. He has to go play pinball. Pinball wizard. That's Call awesome. Tom. Come on. Pinball's cool. That is cool. It's curling. You, you know what I'm starting to like? I, I Maybe Niesman's rubbing off on me a little bit. Oh, we, went, we went to a hockey game. I had a great time. Oh, oh, dear Lord. I did. I loved it. My my daughter almost got hit by a puck. It was like the best time. Dude, uh, Wood, you love this. Did you see the uh, the story on uh, Yahoo Sports today about Vernon Dave Vernon Davis is crediting curling with his new attitude about uh, football? I did not see <laughs> that. Another crazy football player. All right, hey, let's talk about some books. No, I want to talk what about Vernon and Kerwin. We got to talk about comics. That's why yeah. we're well. Yeah, aside from Ron, so what do you got? Well, I mean, you can't. You know, you start. You. Oh, I got plenty of stuff, and you know what? Chris will be pleased to hear this. I am naked this episode. I have zero notes. Check it before you wreck it. I have no notes. Did not write a damn note because the last couple books I read. Uh-huh. I loaded up on the notes last week's, and then there was mm-hmm. the the thing Good. with with Faust. I have nothing this week. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, pimp. Um, no, uh, it's on the feed. They heard it. Yeah, everyone's um, back in the feed and and listen to uh, to you and Faust talking, waxing nostalgic, aka so. the two hours of crazy. <laughs> it was. It was great. It was good fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good stuff. I I don't. What have you been reading, man? Well, I read a lot of stuff. I read, uh, like Jason, I gorged on 2000 AD. And oh, we, yeah, and we, we can get into that later uh, when Jason goes, if he wants to. Um, I read, I got caught up on Kiss, which <laughs> continues to be such a fun book. Uh, I read all the way up to issue six, but I'm only going to talk about issues three and four because that's what they do they do two issue arcs which is really smart business model because new readers can jump in every other issue right if they don't like where the story's going you don't have to get the next one you can wait and then pick it up Mm -hmm. and the one after but uh picking up in the original uh dress to kill storyline which was in one and two the characters that picked up the avatars 
are pushed to the side. They've done their part, and in the in issues three and four, four new avatars pick up the uh, the the reins of the four that are one, and it's really cool. Um, they, I'll let the cat out of the bag. It's obvious they beat the destroyer in the prohibition era Chicago in the first two issues. And so those characters are, have played their part, but the destroyer has tainted multiple eras. Like it's not just in Chicago in the 1930s. Um, in issues three and four. We get a bad rap out of that fucking era, by the way. I know, but it's such a vibrant era for storytelling, isn't it? Fucking right wing fucking wackos that but it's think so I'm cool. dodging bullets every day on the way to work. Right, but it's so cool fucking though that just that Tommy gun, you know, uh-huh. that's great stuff. To Roy yeah, it, it's given us a bad image around the world. That's there's not a romanticism accurate. to it though. Though I mean, yeah. it was dangerous and it was illegal, but it's 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 attractive, and on some weird level, it's 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 cool. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so in issues three and four, we go to another timeline, and this is way hella in the past when uh, knights of old and dragons and and uh, you know uh, hard sinewy men, barbarians, and and uh, it turns out this leader of a pack of barbarians' son was killed by the destroyer, and he has given up he's he's decidedly unbarbarian he he doesn't his warlike ways are gone all all the life has been sapped out of him and um the uh she is in this again and she seeks out the the leader of the barbarians and gives him the lord of the wastelands talisman that's gene that's the demon right so it's up to him to round up all the 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 other three <laughs> it's it's so sad it's 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 funny but it's sad uh the peter chris character the the cat man he mm-hmm. he has he has a uh, a sidekick that's a panther just like panthro like skeletor's panther it's, pur- it's oh, purple it's purple too um so he's got a sidekick and the panther's name is shandy the absolute worst kiss song ever recorded they oh, named the, they named the panther after it but uh you have sword fights giant spiders uh the the destroyer takes the form of a dragon uh gene can fly and spit fire it's just after the last two books i read i needed something like this it, it's uh, palette cleanser Exactly. So much fun. Uh, the Star Child shoots laser beams out of his eyes, and uh, uh, the Catman has this way with, with animals, and uh, right in the midst of it, it's this huge, um, uh, like, Lord of the Rings-type colossal battle, and uh, there's these giant spiders running around. They're kicking the shit out of uh, the the uh, the four who are one and all their... Uh, uh, allies and Peter, not Peter, the cat man just kind of touches one of the spiders and he talks to it. And so now all the spiders are on Kiss's side and it's like this, this huge colossal battle and there's, there's, there's ogres and, and massive beatdowns. It's a total, um, escapist fantasy. It's just really fun. And don't knock a comic when I call it fun, because it, then it, it almost seems like it's it's too lighthearted, too too like there's no substance to it. There's a lot of meat on the bone here, but it, I mean it helps if you're a Kiss fan. I think I've said this before. 
Like the, uh, this one was written by someone called Tom Waltz. And uh, the, he, he litters the, the story with little kiss mythology. But the art is by Casey... And they, they do the old let's stick a kiss song in between their names just to show that we know what we're talking about. Uh, kiss, uh, cra- Casey, crazy, crazy nights Maloney. Oh, and crazy nights. I, I know. <laughs> uh, and the inks by Mark Rocket Wide Rueda. But the art is like David Lapham meets a really? less, a less angular Michael Avon Oming. Hmm. So it's, it's very stark black and white. Um, it's it's surprisingly indie for Kiss. I I didn't think IDW would go this raw with a Kiss book. Like we are accustomed to Angel Medina style oh, right, right, right. image esque art, and Angel Medina is doing the uh, they're they're st- I think they're stopping or they're pausing the Kiss ongoing, and they're doing a series of one shots. Angel Medina's coming back to Kiss. Oh, nice. For him. Yeah, I can't wait. But no, just fun, fun, freewheeling comics. That's all. I mean, when you buy a book with Kiss as the title characters, you pretty much expect a certain thing, right? Mm-hmm. Not so serious, having a lot of fun, rock and roll, balls out, and that's what you get. It's awesome. And the next two issues, they really throw a curveball, and the avatars are bestowed upon four females. Oh. <laughs> One of them is named Beth. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and she's always late. <laughs> right and there's a it, it's actually kiss meets the phantom of the park abner Devereaux is oh, in it wow. no really and and he creates these robotic daughters like a series of identical robotic girls and guess what the name of the ro- the robot is uh christine but the uh-huh. newest model is the 16th version so her name is christine comma 16, 16. <laughs> this is just so much fun i love the i love yeah, yeah, i love, yeah, I love, I love these books nice that they can uh i guess poke fun it, it really yeah is, they it, do it's, they it's 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 not there's no stuffiness to these at all it's not gene simmons controlling everything about the books it's just like yeah we ruled the 70s just you know much like the beatles in their decade Prior, I mean, Kiss mm-hmm. ruled the seventies. There was no bigger no. band in the seventies. Uh, what's that one? Nope. In terms of sales and 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 yeah, what's no, that? no market yeah, statute. Kiss absolutely owned the seventies. Real without than, question. More so than what's that one? Yeah. When you ask, I mean, casual really? person on the seat on the street who who lived in the seventies, who was bigger, Zeppelin or Kiss? I, I bet you nine out of ten times you some you'll get Kiss. Really? Yes. Yes, really? uh, yeah. They were a phenomenon. They no, I, I, and I love Kiss, but but really, I'm not talking about the quality or uh, you know the 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 uh, the artistic qualities of the music and and just no, I'm not talking about that. Of course, Zeppelin was a better band. Well, but, for the record, uh, the best-selling artist of the '70s was Elvis Presley. Well, there you go. Yeah. And the number two was Elton John. Oh, yeah. kill okay. me now. Yeah. But I, all right. Number, this, well, I'm just saying, I'm, well, since right. you brought it up, number three, Barbara Streisand. Wow. Number That's four, surprising. Neil Diamond. Mm-hmm. Kill me. Number five, Chicago. All right. That. Now Chris can riff on that. Thanks a lot. Number <laughs> six, The Rolling <laughs> Stones. 
Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Seven, the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eight, John Denver. Nine, yep. Paul McCartney. Nah. Okay. Whatever. And, and rounding out the top ten, Bob Dylan. But I'm telling you, Kiss owned the 70s. <laughs> that's, that, 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 that's what we see <laughs> every day. Popular, you know, commercial commercial viability as as being the end all be all because well, okay kiss, what, what? I, will, I will still in my mind i'm with vince it's like kiss and zeppelin are one and two but i'm, I'm just saying what band they sold a shitload of records and they released four solo albums simultaneously that's insane john they, denver is pretty funny they, they had they had a their own uh special uh, not not talking about the Paul Lynn thing. A little, the, little known tip, a uh, little known fact, Chris. My uncle uh, was uh, John Denver's fiddler. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. You know, Hunter S. Thompson was John diddler. Denver's neighbor. Yep, yeah, my, my, aunt, my aunt Penny spent the a good majority of her twenties and 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 thirties touring with John Denver. Because is, they were, yeah. My that aunt, awesome. my aunt Grace, God rest her soul, idolized John Denver. She thought he was the sexiest man on two legs. Yeah, he was kind of a. De- Denver did a few things that were a little nefarious. Ah, he championed the weed. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. Go, he John. Stole songs. He what? He stole some songs. No, really? Yeah. Let's not taint the history of John Denver <laughs> and to talk <laughs> about Kiss. Really, um, but. <laughs> But uh, it, this is not a typical licensed comic where the the licensed owners will oversee everything about it and dictate what should be in it. No, it's just freewheeling great fun. And um, you get to see Kiss as chicks in, in issues five and six. We've yeah. seen it before in the Image uh, series, the Psycho Circus. But it's nice to see it again. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. I... I, I you know, I for how many people brand me an elitist? I guess I am. I also love the fun stuff, and this is just See, right up my damn people, alley. I mean, I actually find that amusing. Like, I don't think you're an elitist at all. I, don't I just think you yeah. like eclectic things. I mean, you, maybe you, you love. I think the stuff you're most passionate about, like elitist, would consider lowbrow, right? Like, I mean, some of the like the you know the the horror or the, the, yeah. the stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think that, like, you know... Well, I, I mean, think I, the fact that I shit on Marvel and DC brands me an elitist. Because right. if mean, you're not in the club, they don't want it. No one wants to talk to you. So. Like, like I don't think, like, a like you know, like, to me, Johnny Ryan isn't, like, being an elitist. Like, that's just, like, that's enjoying, like, a totally different kind of art. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, it's yeah. not, like... Elitist, to me, is, like, anything that, like, TCJ decides is cool. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you know? No, I mean that. Like that, you know, like they're like, oh, this is acceptable. So But have you noticed that if they publish it, then it's automatically cool. If of someone course. else published if of if course. they didn't grab Johnny Ryan for the Angry Youth comics and somebody else had him, I'm 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 not so certain that he would be as championed as he is today. Right. But right. that's just supposition. Who the hell knows? But I will say, and I gave him props on Twitter today, Joe McCulloch writes the absolute best comics criticism column on the internet for for uh, the comics journal bar none there's nobody as good as as joe mcculloch respect respect yeah 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 with that, with that. yeah he's great he's great but anyway so let's talk about something else uh well uh well i finished up uh, a series that i had uh in its early days vince and i were gushed about it a few times on the show 
and then Vince, I think, stopped reading it entirely, and I fell way behind. But in honor of it wrapping up, uh, I figured uh, it would be uh, about time to catch up and, and sort of give it a, um, a postscript. Hmm. So that's, uh, that's uh, The Boys. Ooh. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So The Boys, you know, uh, for the most of its run, was published by Dynamite. Um, got it started uh, at DC. Wildstorm, but quickly DC. Yeah. I'm not trying to hear that because it was making a lot of uh, very uh, X-rated parody of, of, of a lot of the core DC icons. Um, and, you know, in the beginning, it was sort of like um, it was titillating and it was uh, the first few arcs were, which is, again, when Vince and I were both talking about it on the show, were like different. They kind of took a different trope of superheroes and made them, you know, uh, really flawed. And, and it looked like there was a, an arc where the, the X-Men narratives were there and Graham Malkin, who was Professor X, ended up, you know, being a pedophile. And, you know, there was a, a, a Batman arc where the, the Batman character, of course, was uh, was uh, in a relationship with the Robin character. And, you know, like and, and at first it was kind of titillating in that regard. And I think for a lot of people... Um, and Vince, I maybe I don't want to take put words in your mouth, but it seemed like um, the the joke got a little old, like yeah. got a little one note. It was uh-huh. the hero gasm that sunk me. Yeah, so right, and that's that's interesting you say that. For me, so the the the, the, the it was originally um, it was originally uh, 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 Ennis with um, uh, what's his name? Derek Robertson. Derek Robertson, thank you. Um, together, and Derek is still credited uh, on every issue as one of the creators. But it's been a long time since Derek's done the interiors on a regular basis. For for most of the last few years, oh, wow. Russ Braun was the 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 guy, um, especially for the last year or so. It's Russ Braun pretty much was the guy. Um, but where where it really fell off for me was Herogasm, like you said, and that's actually when I started. For some reason, even though I really kind of stopped reading the book of Herogasm, I kept ordering the issues, you know, and, and it literally became a case where I think. Going into two weeks ago, and I started reading this, I had 32, 33 issues to read. Um, so the reason Herogasm turned me off, and I don't know if it's the same for you, is like I thought it went – number one, I thought the art was substandard. Um, I thought John, it went after Robinson. Yeah, McRae. McRae's great. As, as you, if you pick up an issue of Mars Attacks, you'll see how great he is. But he seemed to not have his heart in that. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I, yeah. I, that's an important distinction. I don't think McRae is a bad artist by any stretch. But this seemed like he just was really like just getting the paycheck. Like we got to get this yeah. thing out. Uh, and and I thought that Ennis went from being really satirical and funny about superheroes to Herogasm being this like it started off just completely absurd and off the charts um and for those that don't know herogasm was a mini series that came out in conjunction with the book where the initial premise was that um which again it was clever is that um every year the heroes on this planet um everyone thinks they go off to fight a giant cosmic threat which would effectively be like the giant crossover of the year but in essence, what they're actually doing is disappearing and going to a private island where they're living like, uh, you know, like uh, Caligula for a week. It's like a week vacation where all the heroes disappear for this quote unquote, uh, you know, galactic, you know, mission. But they're actually just living on this island and just doing whatever can, you know, all the depravities that they could ever hope for, they, they come away with. So it started off fine. Like that was, I think, in keeping with the book, right? Which is like this satirical look, you know, of, uh, about about the uh, the flawed component of superheroes. But where it went off the trail for me is that it turned into a pretty demonstrative 
critique on our government and implying some I thought really uncomfortable things about 9/11, you know. Like which again I know was sort of his being fictional, but it just it, it felt like all of a sudden like you got slapped in the face with this really strong political narrative when in essence this is a book I was reading for pure escapist fun, you know. But that said, that was, you know, 36 issues ago. Uh, and, and so three years ago. So in, in, in catching up over the last, uh, you know, and, 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 and the book finished up with issue 72, um, I will say this about the entire series, including the 72 issues, and I think there were three miniseries. There was Herogasm, there was a miniseries that focused on Wee Huey, called I think Highland Laddie, and then there was a miniseries that focused on, uh, Billy Butcher, the leader of the, of the, uh, of the boys. Um, so all in all, you're talking probably what around 80 issues, 85 issues, give or take. Um, I will say this. I totally understand anyone that left the book because they were feeling like it was, it was meandering or being one note. But if you could, my recommendation to anyone that really enjoyed the beginning few arcs is that go back and read the final two arcs without the middle stuff. Because the middle stuff, although certainly you may be missing you know, things here or there. Ennis is a great writer and, and he, he does a great job in the last two arcs of rap, of, of, of cluing you into the little nuances you may miss by skipping those, those meandering, uh, the middle part of the book. And the last two arcs were like super solid. The, the second, the penultimate arc is really the, the conclusion of the boys versus the heroes. And, uh, I guess I should have said, for those that don't know, the boys, the premise is, is that there is a, uh, a shadowy, government, you know, black ops group called the boys backed by this Brit named, uh, uh, Billy Butcher. And in this world, superheroes are real, but every superhero in existence was actually created due to something called compound V, which was a drug, a serum created by the vault American corporation. So in essence, all the superheroes exist mainly because of a corporation wanting to profit. And the boys are five, non-superheroes who are injected with a a uh, sort of like a Captain America refined super serum version of, of Compound V that makes them super strong. And their job is basically to police these very flawed superhero groups, uh, spy on them, blackmail them, do whatever they have to to keep them in line whenever they step out of line. Um, but as you as you find out over the course of the of the eighty plus issues, Billy Butcher is a fucked up human being <laughs> and his motivations are far less than sane or on the up and up. And so in getting back to what I was saying, the, the, the second to last arc is the really what the book leads up to the entire time, which is the, um, the boys, the five, the, the, the five main characters, the boys versus the seven. And the seven is the, uh, I guess Vince, you'd say they were like the justice league of that group, yeah, right? Just, yeah. yeah. They're, they're the, you know, the homelander is the leader and he's the Superman, You've got a Wonder Woman, you know, uh, Queen Maeve. She's the she's the Wonder Woman. You, but they're they're the Justice League um, uh, analogs in this in this world. And 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 it's the the mantra of like with great power, you know, comes you know uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. The seven are the most popular heroes. They're the most beloved. And then ergo, in this world, they're also the most corrupt. With the homelander being just a total sick and depraved fuck. So in the la- the second to last arc is the boys versus the seven, which is really what the entire series had been built up to. And then the, s- the last arc, which is where I think Ennis really does some of his finest work, maybe going back all the way to the, to the initial 12 issues of the series, which I thought were awesome, um, is, is the postscript of 
they have this big battle with the seven. Everything comes to light. The superheroes are brought to light. The public sees them for what they actually are. The Vault American Corporation is in some ways brought to brought to the light and, and, and brought to bear. But um, there's more to the story. And the last arc is we Huey, who is the I think the conscious of the book. He's he's for much of the series the 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 the, the person we're meant to identify with. He's he's the most reluctant of the boys. He's the most normal. He's always questioning their their motives and their motivations and whether they should do what they do. He's kind of against killing, even though he's done it as part of the boys. Um, in, in after the seven is taken care of, we Huey comes to the realization that the villain really isn't the seven. Ultimately, it's 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 Billy. It's 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 the butcher, butcher. Uh, and 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 maybe it didn't start out that way, but the butcher's maniacal obsession with getting at the seven for his own reasons has led him to sort of down a path which ultimately may make him even worse than what the seven were or Vault American, and it's 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 a question of can Huey and the other boys stop Butcher from sort of this this arc he's been building towards himself, which ultimately, if he's successful, will make him far worse than anyone else that ever was in the book. Um, and I just thought it was like those, the first 12 to 18 issues and the last 12 issues are like masterful. So so my recommendation, and I hasn't read this this book, is literally to buy the first two or three trades, read it, and if you enjoy that, skip ahead to the final two trades. Because I think that component of it is like as good as Ennis has ever been, especially if you enjoy the idea of like a satirical and dark look at the superhero construct, right? I mean, he's not breaking new ground there. There have been plenty of other looks at, you know, at, at, at the dark side of being a hero, right? But, but I think Ennis had does it in a way where he, he combines, you know, the, there are moments where, where you're generally, it generally seems he captures the evil of humanity, but then at other times he captures the hilariousness of the situation um, in a way that I think few writers can do. So I give a big thumbs up overall to the boys, again, with the idea that it begins and ends in as strong a way as I could suggest, but the middle part really does drag on. It's like a three-and-a-half-hour director's cut of a movie that you get done and you're like, yeah, that was good, but I, I, I think it could have been two hours. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the, the yeah, hour you, in the middle out. Yeah. You know what it sounds to um, me? Cause like Ennis is a smart writer. It really sounds to me like he had the whole thing sketched exactly. out b- beginning and end. Like. And then it started attracting the requisite amount of, of copies sold, right? <laughs> People were paying attention and, and buying it. So they said, you know what? Let's stretch this out a little bit. And, and yeah, I, that, I that's, that's what, what it felt like exactly. Yeah. And and you know, look, there, there. This is you know, this is Vince was saying how Kiss is just a, a, a palate cleanser. The the reason I stayed away from the boys for so long again is because I felt like he was going in this little too serious, too close to home political narrative. But thankfully, he does get away from that. Now, now clearly, underlying all of this is this sort of idea that corporations are evil, and that you know, uh, uh, you know, anyone within in any kind of modicum of power or influence is bound to make you know poor decisions over time. So, but but it doesn't. But he only after he he gets away from like the, just the. It starts getting fantastical again to the point where it's 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 much more. Uh, pleasant of a reading experience, if you will. Nice. Uh, Vince, you'll appreciate this. Like, there, just in terms of like how absurd this book can get, though. There's um, there's a, a part where, you, and you remember from when you were reading the book, um, you know, Vic the Veep, right, the vice president, right. is almost like retarded. In the, I mean, like literally. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's, like, he's almost literally in the book. He's like, 
like close to being retarded. He's like got a sub, you know, like a 90 IQ. But he's he's become the vice president largely because of um, he's basically a puppet of this Vault American Corporation. Well, at one point, um, the president is uh, is is in the White House getting ready to uh, meet with a bunch of uh, of of kids. And uh, it's it's like a, a thing where it's it's kids with unique house pets, right? So it's like, and if it's, so it's like it's like a public, you know, the president's going to go and like make good for a photo op, and he's there, he's meeting them all, and like you know, some of them are in cages or whatever, and others are you know just out, and he's like taking pictures of like you know like you know kids have strange birds as pets, different you know whatever, and uh, and then Vic the Veep walks in, and he's like dumb, and he's looking around. And there's a, a creature, a wolverine in the in a cage, and it's like this kid's pet. And, and Victor Veep is like, well, "What is that?" And they're like, "Oh, it's a wolverine," you know. And and because he's he's a dumbass, he opens the cage. Oh Jesus! So so this wolverine jumps out of the cage and proceeds to attack a bunch of people, and then ultimately comes up and rips the president's throat out. Nice. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So Vic the Veep becomes president. Yeah. Oh, God. Green going loose in the White House and, and killing the president. And uh, and needless to say, that was, you know, this was not expected. Like, even Vault America didn't expect for this to happen and whatnot. And that, that precedes the seven to take action against the, the White House. But the, but it's just like, there's just absurdities like that, you know? Like, at one point, um, like, one of the guys in the, that's a member of the boys, um, uh, they, 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 mother's milk. This this big Luke Cage looking guy. Um, you know he gets his power from <laughs> the fact yeah. that oh, yeah, it's this giant like blob looking woman who's 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 titty, titty milk has V in it. So like every now and then, mother's milk, uh, mother's milk goes home and he he sucks on his mom's titties to 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 get power, right? Yes, <laughs> so yes, yes. Point, the book, <laughs> we Huey needs to power up because <laughs> battle. He needs to battle the butcher, and the butcher, like, he's like, I can't. Like, so he goes to Mother Smoke's mama, and he, like, sucks in the titties. Slip like, him out. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but like I said. Just uh, give me a little bit of closure, though. Uh, you can, I, I'm asking you to spoil it. Or, uh, yeah, I am. Sure, spoiler. Okay, so. so the, does the, Huey get the girl? Um. Uh, um, you mean he was able to love again after the first issue? Um, he he. Oh no, he, he fell in love with um the Wonder Girl. Uh, oh, the one right? with the prude, or the or the uh, or did she? Yeah. What happened? Well, with she her? wasn't a prude. No. Well, right. She well, she's a well, prude. She's not a prude. Yeah. Um. Yes, Vince. She does. He does. Yeah. Excellent. Aww. That's all I wanted to know. And does does the little dwarf Stan get killed? Hopefully. Um. Yeah, pretty much everybody in the book. But Huey and his girl get killed. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's like one of those uh, Kaiser. It's very much evocative of the bo- of uh, of the usual suspects. Like where, even the female. Yeah, uh, everybody, buddy. Wow, that's deep. Frenchie, mother's milk. Uh, wow. Uh, like I said, the, almost all the well, actually, all the members of the seven, except for his girl who leaves the seven, and during you know before this all happens, but like all the yeah, they're all. It's, it's it's massive carnage, dude. So Ennis right. does have a heart. He does, you know. He he does. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I would say that, and and I would also say too the 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 other two miniseries um, are totally uh, superfluous as well. Yeah, you don't need to read the 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 Billy, Billy the Butcher or uh, uh, or or, or uh, Highland Laddie either. So nice. 
Yeah, but definitely. Like, I, I hope, I hope this, I hope as people are listening, they they come across me saying that this is definitely something I would recommend. With again, just the caveat of if if you just happen to have not read it at all, um, it's probably going to be a hard sell. But but if you had read it and you got a little tired, because I, I feel like a lot of people were really into this book in the first year or two, like yeah. a lot of people, and then I feel like most of those people fell off, you know. Yep. And so mm-hmm. um, I would just say if 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 you did like what happened and you just were feeling it was getting tired, you were right to think that it stays that way for a year or two, but. The last two arcs are definitely worth it, even if you don't bother seeing, you know, what went on for those. I think I kind of, uh, I kind of bailed when they, uh, when the Russians showed up, and yeah, and and then you got to see his, uh, his, his dick through his dick. underwear, and yeah, yeah. I think oh, that I kinda... was that was the that was the high point, and then it started. Well, Voss, Voss makes a recurrent appearance in the in the final two arcs. He comes back. Okay, no, I'll I'll, I'll give the ending a shot, dude. I'll, yeah, I'll, definitely, I'll... definitely. Yeah. Like I said, it's. Uh... I've been I've been hounded. About the boys for months from um, our buddy um, Dave Windorf. Oh like, yeah, okay, cool. You ha- he every time I talk to him, he's like, "You have to read this book. You have to finish it. You have to get back into it." So yeah, it's I'm yes, I'm gonna read the boys. So now that we ruined it for you, or Jason ruined it. Say, oh, no, no, Jason I, I, ruined it. Way to go. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Nice job, well, I mean, look, I'll say this: the the, <laughs> the penultimate arc ends in the way that you would guess it's going to end from the very start. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so that's I'm not really like it's it's the journey, no. not the the, right. the devil's really in the details. What makes it entertaining is 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 the you know actually seeing it all happen and unfold. It's the final arc, I think, where Ed, Edis deserves a lot of credit because that's that's not something I necessarily thought we were going to see, and uh, and and it's 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 tragic, you know, as much as a book that's this over the top can can be sort of tragic or sad because again it's it's so absurd that it's you know but but no it has a, it hasn't you know it left me sort of sad for some you know the way that everybody kind of ends up i was like oh damn like it's yeah. that's a shame man you know so but for a writer to embark on a project of this side size and not plan accordingly and have his ending at least fleshed out you know at at the initial stages that's just that's just bad planning. I, I, I'm I'm really confident he knew where all this was going, and he just kind of meandered. In the no, middle. I think that's right. I think that's yeah. right. All right, let's uh, oh. toss the potato. I, I have fun things to talk about. Well, why don't you, you just got? do it? I, um, man, I'm so remiss in talking about this, and it's something that that I'm sure Jason was all over um, because he yeah, loved like, his work ever to go. I'm building you up, Jason. So you got to back me up on this. Um, we right. like Brian Wood. Brian Wood is a good writer. Yes, my cousin. Brian, yeah. Brian Wood does nice stuff, right? For the it's most good. part, yeah, yeah. For the most part, um, I bought and read and enjoyed greatly uh, um, the Queen of the Black Coast. Oh, nice. Yeah, have you read his Conan? Uh, the, the none, first? none of it yet. Yeah, really good. Um, different. It's a different kind of Conan book, and part of it is is that it's um, Becky Cloonan art, and it's a different era for Conan than we might be worth, you know, or be be used to. Um, it's the barley wine kicking in. So eh, you're you're eh, very eh, mellow, eh. which is nice. Oh yeah, yeah, very mellow. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's very odd because it's it's like Conan, it's like Conan the college years. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it is. It's a young Conan. He's kind of young, dumb, and full of cum. And oh my wow. god, this wow. is yes. mouth. It really, that's crazy. You can take um, this, you can take the boy out of Southern Illinois, but you can't take the Southern Illinois out of the boy. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Uh, no, it's a, it's a it's a it's a very young kind of twenty something Conan. So it's not the big hulking, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Conan that that we're kind of used to. It's not King Conan. It is young adventurer Conan, and he's kind of it's it's it really is Conan the college years, and yeah. and and Clunan captures that in that this this boyish kind of independence and and innocence in the character, and you kind of you kind of have to get used to to Wood's writing of the character because there are things about young Conan that you're like, no young, you know, no Conan feels this way. Um there's a few times where it's 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 right there in the text that he's afraid, that he is filled with fear. And, you know, you're just like, nah, you know, Conan is never filled with fear. Conan never fears anything. He is the ultimate warrior. That is the character. And and you kind of have to get past that and say, you know what? Before there is a man, there is a boy. And this story really kind of is about the boy Conan, which, if you think about it, much more interesting than a lot of the Conan stories that you know you you have either read or imagine yourself have having read um, through your comics life. Uh, I'm not going to get into into too many specifics of the story uh, because I think it, it's definitely worth worth going and and checking out. But uh, um, if you're looking for a very uh, a very different look at a very familiar character and uh, and a different time in his uh, very fictional life, uh, Dark Horses uh, Conan. Uh, Queen of the Black Coast is is a very worthy read, and uh, and Becky Cloonan continues to show that uh, that she will bend the perception of, of what we expect certain characters to look and be like. Yeah. See, that was the problem with the Marvel uh, version of Queen of the Black Coast because Basima drew Conan the way he always had, mm-hmm. a- as a full grown grown ass man, right? And as Chris said, that period is not, does not take place in Conan's mid to mature years, you know? I mean, he's, he's, how old do you think he is in, in Queen of the Black Coast? Um, 20, 24, 20s, yeah, yeah. Well, Basima drew his Conan as like a, a man in his late 30s. 30s yeah. yeah, you know? Yeah. So, uh, um, and, but Basima's belief, though, was, was gorgeous. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to to check that out. That is a Robert E. Ho- uh, Howard story, Queen of the Black Coast. Oh, is it? I mean, yeah, it's I an adaptation, that? right? Yeah, well, or yeah, right, no, well, that that. Not no, Robert E. Howard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that is one of his. So it is an adaptation because Marvel did it, right? But as Roy I said, Thomas it was, did it originally, or I think it was around issue eighty. Or um or ninety, let's see. We'll Google uh, because my me- yeah, my memory so has turned to mush. It was a neat, it was a neat story. 
I mean, it was. Oh, you know, it's a great cool, story. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, Conan meeting his, you know, kind of female equal. It was. Well, uh, I, I, yeah, I will yeah. say this too about uh, about Brian was Conan. Um, uh, he, he is, you know, I don't know how much say uh, he I has. What's that? I was wrong. Oh, uh, Queen of the Black Coast was in Conan fifty-seven and fifty-eight, and issue mm-hmm. one hundred. And David was right. Roy Thomas did adapt it, but it was uh, Plug and Basima. So I'm oh, guessing God. I'm guessing Basima did it in a hundred, and Plug yeah. may have done it in fifty-seven, fifty-eight. Uh, yeah. What I was saying is uh, Becky Cloonan, um, who I, I think did a great job uh, on Conan. It's, I, it's really nice. Yeah. Uh, but she she doesn't stick around long. It's basically each of um. Brian's uh, arcs have been drawn by a different artist, but he's he's three for three so far. He he had uh, James Heron um, on an arc, and and I really wasn't that familiar with James's work until Conan. But he's one of those guys again. Like if we could go back in time and you know put it this way, James Heron's a guy that I'm going to be eagerly looking to secure <laughs> artwork from now because you're in the stocking year, when Palo's repping him, I won't be able to afford his work anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're yeah uh, you're you're stocking. Yeah, and then speaking of guys that Paolo now reps that I bought artwork before they did, um, the uh, the most recent arc was actually drawn by our good friend and listener Declan Jalvi, who Ooh. I sort of through Chris back in the day on um, um, twenty eight days later. Yeah, twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. Declan and I are kind of flipping each other off on on Twitter right now. He's a jerk. Wow. Screw oh. Declan. It's huh? Nice. He says I hate him. So yes, I hate you, Declan. Wow. <laughs> he's all he's all he's all like, I don't know, should I come to C two E two? I'm like, Yeah, Chicago's awesome. He's like, I don't know, I'm thinking about it. So He definitely should if he if he listen Declan, if you listen, Betty, come on, man. Yeah. I buy, buy some little I, told, I offered I you know, I offered I offered up our place to stay, so we're gonna put him in the bathroom. Did you now? <laughs> that's, that's something. Wow, that's, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, I don't mind that. Hey David. Yes, sir. On the roof. Guess who did the cover for Conan 57? Cocaine. Okay. You betcha. <laughs> yeah. And Ramita did the cover to 58, and of course, Basima did the uh, famous okay. cover of 100 with Conan holding Belit all, all dead and shit. 100. Yeah. So there you go. What do you got, David? I, uh, I, I, I hopped in the Wayback Machine. I've been, I've been going through a few of, um, not that I'm not enjoying some of the new shit, but I, I, uh, every once in a while I like to remember when. And, and what's neat is that I can read some of the things I bought off the stands in, in the 80s, um, via comicsology, so I don't have to dig these issues out. But I recently read, Three stories written by Alan Moore, all featuring the Bronze Age pre-crisis Superman. Oh, snap. And one thing I remember from the two stories, because one was Superman Annual 11, where the man who has everything, and was the two-parter, uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, from Superman... 423 and Action 583. Uh, and the thing I remember is Byrne, because, and not John Byrne, because the reason we had to have for the man who has everything is because Byrne was coming in to take care 
of Superman and, and give us the Man of Steel and, and reimagine him for the late 80s. But uh, I say burn because there are two instances where Superman basically uh, decides to lash out at the enemy. And, and for the man who has everything, Batman... Robin and Wonder Woman are introduced to Mongol, and they, uh, Superman is basically living out his, his heart's desire, which is Krypton never, uh, never exploding, never, never going away. And, and you see Kal-El, uh, married with the family and, and, and is, is, um, and Jor-El, who has basically been discredited because since Krypton never blew up, everybody labeled him as a fucking crazy person because he's going on about how this place is going to all go. And he, uh, and so it, it's Superman's birthday, Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman. And, and that's probably the only, um, the only negative about this annual is, is that it's, it's the Jason Todd Robin. <laughs> and 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 uh and it it's illustrated by Dave Gibbons and it's gorgeous and, and he letters it also and uh since it's Superman's birthday, um Mongol stops by before the heroes show up and, and um Superman doesn't realize that this this gift is is from uh it's from Mongol, but he uh it's it's um basically called the Black Mercy and, and it attaches itself to the person and that's when its abilities kick in and, and the person wearing basically it's a flower but, but but wearing it has their heart's desires realized in their mind uh, so you see some things not go according to plan in, in Kal-El's life and, and while all this is going on in his mind Batman, Robin and Wonder Woman are trying to take care of business and, and take this vine off of Superman. But when, uh, when it is removed from Superman and, and now it's Superman fighting Mongol, he, he, uh, he actually burns with his heat vision, burns his, uh, his enemy in this issue. And then again, in action comics, 583, when Superman realizes that, uh, Lana Lang was killed. He uh, he then attacks the. Uh, well, what were? Uh, damn it, I can't remember the names. Now. It was it was the what was the um. What was the antithesis of, of the Legion of Superheroes? It was it was Lightning Lord, and and but what was their what, what was the group's name? Oh Jesus! Wasn't right? the That's, wasn't the League of Evil? Was it? No. I don't what the think hell was so. the name? Legion yeah, of but anyway, so so when Legion when they, of Substitute Superman. <laughs> Legion of Substitute bad guys. Uh when they when when um when they admit to killing Lana and Jimmy, uh Superman kinda goes batshit and, and again with his heat vision and just basically says burn and and uh they were a little surprised that, that he reacted this way and they decided to hightail out of there. So um leaving leaving it to um to Brainiac and Luther. But I'm getting ahead there. And and for the Whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? It was it was Alan Moore, and legend has it uh, that uh, when Julie Schwartz was winding down and saying goodbye to Superman, 
because Burn was coming on because Crisis gave us one Superman. It, it, it cleaned up the uh, the multiverse and um, Schwartz had to wrap things up because Superman was being relaunched with a number one. The ongoing Superman was going to be called Adventures of Superman and continuing that numbering. Action Comics was still going to be called Action Comics and continue its numbering, but Superman was going to have a new number one, but that Superman from the Bronze Age was, was going away. We, you know, the, the whole burn was redoing everything, which I'll be reading Man of Steel soon, and I can't wait for that because I, I still remember buying that biweekly. And, and, uh, but leading up to that, before we got there, when Schwartz apparently, I don't know if it was a convention weekend or something, but, but Julie Schwartz is having breakfast with Alan Moore, tells him that. We are going to tell the last Superman story. And apparently Alan Moore got up and said, if you let anyone else write this story, I will fucking kill you. (laughs) So that is how we ended up with whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, because Alan Moore wanted to write the last Superman story. And and what happens is we are, um, the story is told in the far future of, I think 1998. And it is, uh, a reporter, from the Daily Planet, comes in and knocks on the former Lois Lane's door and, and says, it's the 10th anniversary of Superman's disappearance or the last sighting of Superman. I'm here to interview you for the planet. Um, what can you tell me about the events leading up to Superman's last sighting? And uh, and so she's explaining how um, everything that happened, you had, you had um, Bizarro, who destroyed his world, because just like Krypton exploded, Bizarro had to um, destroy his world and he came to Earth and, and he was hurting people. He was acting unlike he's ever acted before. And and uh, so Superman put a stop to him, had to put him down. Then when he's at the Daily Planet or WGBS and, and he's about to do his uh, his news anchor shift, they say a package deli- was delivered for you. He opens it up, and it's a little, um, I thought it was a little, like, superpowers doll, but it was a little Superman mm-hmm. action figure, and, and it, for whatever reason, it comes alive, we'll say, and uh, has heat vision and burns off Clark Kent's suit. Gets rid of his clothes, and now you see he's Superman underneath. So now Clark Kent's secret is revealed. We find out he's Superman. There's a bigger box that he opens up, and there's a dead Pete Ross inside. And we find out that the prankster and the toy man did this damage. So Superman now goes and takes care of them. And, and all while this is happening, Superman is thinking to himself that all of, all of my villains, all, all, all of my enemies have, um, basically, uh, uh, just turned a corner. They, they're acting differently. They're, they're deadly now. And, and they're hurting people for real. And, uh, he has, to think about things, but while he's doing that, uh, the Daily Planet is under attack by Metallos, and he uh, he has to take Superman has to take his friends to the Fortress of Solitude. I guess basically fuck everybody else in Metropolis. But I'm taking Perry and his wife Alice, and Lana and Jimmy and Lois, and we're all going to the Fortress of Solitude. And um, while that's happening, Lex Luthor finds what's left of Brainiac in uh, in the Antarctic. And Brainiac is still slightly alive and ends up taking over 
Lex Luthor's body. So now they are the ultimate Superman bad guy. And uh, so their goal is to destroy Superman out if they know who he is and how they can hurt him. So they go to the Fortress of Solitude, and that's when everything starts to happen. And, and the Legion of Superheroes stop by because apparently on this day... Uh, something big will happen in Superman's life and they just want to stop by I guess say goodbye uh, they're being real vague about things Supergirl is with them and, and she she's trying to figure out why, why where am I like, where, where is my present day counterpart and, and uh, oh well you know because the same person cannot be in the same era cannot be can't be on that scene. So, so she must be in the past or in the future. That's why you can't see her today. And oh, look at me. Meanwhile, you know, she died a few months ago in, in Crescent Infant Nurse number, number seven. But Superman's all bent out of shape and getting on the Legion's case because how, are you, how can you bring this? How can you bring Supergirl? You know, it, it's it's messing me up basically. And while, uh, so they, they take off and Superman has to kind of deal with things he, he's explaining to Perry why why he could never be truthful to Lois why he could never be with Lois because he always felt that it would break Lana's heart because even though Lana loves Clark Clark never felt that way about Lana and if he were true to Lois he felt it would hurt Lana so he could never be with anybody and uh, which was neat that that you know more basically sum this up in a few panels when like you know for years people are just like it was never really touched on or you just just with Lois that that's that just makes sense but it uh, when when everything happens and the bad guys start to attack Superman. Superman basically seems to be the one who falls apart during all this, and and Lana and Jimmy, with with powers from their past, go to take on the bad guys. They don't fare very well. That's when uh, Superman kind of bands up, I guess. And when he realizes what he did, when he realizes that he took lives, um, he walks into a room in the fortress. It's the gold kryptonite room. Uh, he walks in the door, says goodbye to Lois, and that's the last you see of Superman. And uh, and so she wraps up the interview with the reporter. The um, the reporter leaves. Lois's husband winks at the reader, basically letting you know that that's Clark. And uh, and that's basically a very Cliff's Notes version of of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow because it's still it was it was drawn by Kurt Swan. Both both issues were were penciled by Kurt Swan. The first issue, Superman, beautifully inked by George Perez. I was giddy mm-hmm. when 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 I found out that that Perez was was inking Swan for this issue. The second issue, the second part was inked by Kurt Schaffenberger, who I remember from plenty of Superman backup stories and, and Superman family stories. But, uh, and the covers were by Kurt Twan and Murphy Anderson on, on action comics. I think Perez inked the cover for, um, Superman, but it just it really was a, um, it felt like this was a, an ending. It was, it was, um, I mean, not like amazing Spider-Man or anything. It, it, it was, it was an absolutely, but it, it wasn't, 
and it was at a time when when it ended when when a when when a title or whatever you want to say ended it didn't feel like it was leading into something else yeah they 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 kept the numbering on two of the books but it was still that was the closing chapter of that because with 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 Marvel it's the end of an era it really was what? Well, it was the end of an era. It's the end of an era. <laughs> I've had some barley wine. It's a little bit of an with the Superman. Yeah. It was the, uh, you know what it really is, right? It's Alan Moore's commentary on the direction in which the industry was heading. At the sure, start. sure it was. Yeah. Uh, because uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow comes after Dark Knight Returns. You're right. Uh, Dark Knight was beginning of 86 and I yeah. think this was at the the tail end of '86, so he had plenty yeah. of time to take a look at. You know, uh, Alan Moore is a canny writer. He saw the way things were going, and well, I mean, you I could mean, just it, tell it, by the villains. Isn't, isn't that funny? Because didn't Alan kind of push the industry oh, yeah. in the direction that it oh, went? Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, you know. So, so he I did, it's not a lamentation, but it's it's. No. Almost prescient in the fact that lamentations of your women. You know, you know uh, the villain. The villains are, are bloodthirsty, and am I crackly? Nope. No. And and they're yes. you know they kill and they they harm and honestly, in in I, I can only say this with the luxury of 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 hindsight, but I loved Burns Superman. Yeah. But but for the character, it was the beginning of the end. Because, oh yeah. Be, because for really? yeah, because yeah. I think as as a character, Superman works way better in wacky, weird, one-off stories than mm-hmm. he, than he does in the the Spider-Man model, where you have a, a you know a huge cast of supporting characters. Well, it becomes the soap opera, and coupled with the downward tone of the industry in the into the Dark Knight model where everything is realistic and and yeah, and, yeah. and you know it just superman doesn't for me superman doesn't work nearly as well as it did when um god forbid the the kurt, kurt swan model where it's just light-hearted for the most part i mean yeah there were some big doings in, and the in of the planet I mean, that's what i mean he's very hard to write was it was it kurt swan or was it mort weisinger well, the the whole oh, the whole form the group that the group that formed just, yeah. what we know of as pre-crisis yeah. Superman, right? right. Yeah, it's because Weisinger was, I mean, instrumental in a lot of that, but also an asshole. Yeah, that's what I've heard and read. Was, I mean, yeah, that was that era of you know. Oh the, God, the, he was kind of thing. He, just he was a fucking bane to Gene Colan. Can you imagine that? Like, oh. What? Yeah, I oh. heard. I heard stories about the what was it? The uh, Krypton Chronicles that Colin did. Was it one of those? The, the mi- uh, one of the first miniseries that that Gene did, and just an asshole. It, it was Gene a, a nightmare. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I I think there's something inherently wrong with a recurring character, especially in a group setting like the Justice League, that yeah. can move a planet. You know, it's just because when and, and but see then that's and that's. And that's great because that that works in that goofy, wacky. Right, era. it works when it's wacky. Oh, you have, right, right. But right, but then you have and and burn, man. This is why, because maybe it was a break from from the norm what I was used to with Superman. But you had 
you had Byrne come up with reasons why things happened in Superman's universe. Like he had to use a piece of the ship that he arrived in to shave. Because how can a blade take care of Superman's stubble? And you had Right. You know, he explained, you know, why like his Not- cape his cape could rip because it was beyond that little protective force field right, that the sun right. gave him. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, and, and, back then it was Kryptonian cloth, so that's why it just stretched. Right, and not only that, but Byrne bested the efforts of his predecessors in that he realized the whole Krypton culture better than anyone had to date. Yeah, yeah, the design of of, oh, of, yes. of John Byrne's Krypton is yeah. the look of Krypton. It's great to, to right, this right. to this day, right? But and it was it was very inspiring and exciting to see the dude that I normally associated with, associated with Wolverine and and the X Men come in and draw and and Fantastic Four, right? Uh, come in and draw Superman. Like, what? Yeah. Is, this is crazy that the, to, to even um, conceive of the possibility of this guy doing work for DC, not only for DC, but for That's Superman. Flashy. What the hell? It was crazy. And it was exciting. But then towards the tail end, it was like, okay. Well, I think even he, I mean, I don't know if it was because depending on who you listen to or what you read, there were some issues between him and Marv Wolfman. And, oh. and, and, you know, with, with, with the direction of, I guess, Lex Luthor and things like that. So I think even, I think Byrne quickly told the stories he wanted to tell. He, he, he did away with Superboy. He, he was able to, and, and when you do that, now you affect the Legion because mm-hmm. without Superboy, there's no Legion of Superheroes. Right. So yeah, the poor Legion. Oh. I know. They, they, they were, I think, the biggest casualties from this because I don't, yeah, they, can you say that they ever recovered after that? Nah, it's, it's, no, so it's nah, there, there no, are there, there are um nah. it was just nah, son. it was it's a snowball <laughs> and it just uh but you had I really did enjoy a lot of what Byrne did. Yeah. And and I thought, you know, Action Comics was the great little It was really it good. was the new DC Comics presents because it was it was the monthly team up. Um I I I did, and, and then, you know, he had Superman kill, and then he went and exiled himself into, he didn't walk across the fucking country, he exiled himself into uh-huh, space. That's right. oh. and, and not oh, only that, but Byrne also revamped the new gods in the process, and, and new Genesis and Apocalypse. Right. I mean, he just, he took Kirby's lead and just pulled all that stuff into uh, Superman, and then Kessel compounded on that, like yeah. to, to the nth degree. It, for a long time, the the new gods were associated with Superman. I mean, Kirby was smart to do that. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. And then Byrne just said, "Hey, worked for Jack. What the what the f? I'm going to do not? it too." Yeah. yeah. What did I say no to me? But it it was. And then <laughs> I guess I guess around when and I did. I was there when when they were weekly with the four Superman books. I was there when Bogdanov and Simonson had Man of Steel and 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 uh, and you had Grummet and Jergens and Dice. Oh, and I mean, they were Grummet so issues are great. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so I mean, I was. I was digging it, and and but I kind of came and went around because I, I didn't read any of the elite issues. I didn't read anything when when Ringo or or McGinnis were were doing the art chores, and um, so I was there. I, I was there for the death. I was there for the return. I was there for the kind of the the spinoffs a little bit. But 
you know, and then I kind of left again. But it was, I mean, I really, because I was so used to the Superman of the Bronze Age and and those wacky stories. When when not only did you have Byrne, the guy I associated Marvel with, coming over to DC and doing Superman, he was doing something different with Superman because he was grounding him more in reality and mm-hmm. and uh, you know and and even more decided to take he he took Mixoplitic into a different direction too. Mixoplitic. And and he he just he there we go the fucking barley wine man <laughs> and you all say it right Jesus but did you uh, apparently in action right now Morrison's got a uh, another um, guy from the fifth dimension that uh, is a um, is like an innately like an overtly evil uh, yeah that little uh, dwarf dude yeah I'm not reading oh. it, so that's why I say but. Yeah, and he's got a pretty cool name. Do you, do you know the name, Vince? It's like it's something. Uh, I only read the first collection, so I I can't recall. I don't even well, think no, it was see, mentioned. Yeah, he appears as a dwarf in the early issues, but now, but now apparently he's full blown. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew he was. I knew that's who he was. <laughs> but I mean, I I don't know. Um, I just think DC bit off way more than they can chew with Superman. There was five titles at one time. Five titles. That's crazy. And well, you had the f- well. Wait, what you had you had Superman. You right. had Action. Action. Yeah. You had Adventures Ma- of Adventures of Man of Man Tomorrow. Of I mean, Man of Steel, oh. and then you had Man of Tomorrow coming out too at one time. Yeah, there was Adventure five titles. Was it? Or wasn't that? Like yeah, it was. It was didn't run long. I think it was like had, you had Superboy, you had Steel, so you had yeah, a whole Superman family of books. Yeah. Uh, anyway. the, uh, the, the guy's name, Vince, is, uh, Vindictivix. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Makes me want to catch up with action because that sounds kind of neat. It was pretty cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah. But that's the thing. Uh, like readers cycle in and out of, of the Superman titles. I mean, how many people that you know have read Superman faithfully for like 40 years? It just doesn't happen. You were the you, longest running guy. Like, yeah, I read it for a long time, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's when you get new blood on it, like Grant Morrison writing Superman, that's exciting. But when you have a guy on it for like a decade or more, that's when Superman starts to go stale. The, the I, th- only, I think it needs to be rejuvenated every every couple yeah. years. The biggest chunk I ever read consecutively was this when Chris sent me all the... the um, this stuff uh, a couple of years ago when they were doing the uh, oh the Krypton the, yeah, yeah the, the, the new Krypton mm-hmm. I enjoyed the uh, well that ended on a fucking thud yeah a lot yeah of I mean it started I, off great like as you were excited and I I thought it was I loved cool, it yeah but uh, yeah it, it definitely went in the direction oh, I mean the, the Busick stuff the yeah. no. And uh, no, no. Oh, no no you're talking about the Jeff Johns Kubrick brother yeah, the Donner Krypton yeah oh uh, right 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 with the with the sun yeah yeah well the sun let off with the Donner stuff and then it became yeah and then and then it went. Brainiac and, and the death of dad and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you're right. I it enjoyed the Camelot stuff with, with Busiek and Pacheco and Marino. Right, right. Oh, the Pacheco stuff was fantastic. Yeah, it was. And I don't yeah. know what the fuck happened when he went to Marvel. But yeah, that was the... Uh, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> Injecting a little commentary in there. But it was... Um, no, but I mean, I... It was. It, it really was just me going back, strolling down memory lane and, and, and going back to time. I... I re- it, there were things that I didn't pick up on. Obviously, you know, b- back in the late eighties, I'm I'm a teenager, so I mean, I I was just 
I read it and it was a big deal to me because of the people working on it. But looking back now and, and there are threads throughout and, and, and little things here and there and, and it really was I mean, especially the two parter, it it more paid homage to a to a lot of uh a lot of what went on before him. And and, and he did his homework too. There was research involved. It's not oh, like he was what? just I'm gonna tell a story with it's these characters. More, I mean it, right? no, I know, but it, it's like he wasn't just writing it to say goodbye to Superman. I mean they were it, it he was he was um there really was time involved and, and, and respect paid to, to what went on before. So it was, I, I really did enjoy it a lot more than I than I remembered and then I thought I would I some of it I thought I was just gonna flip through quickly because oh I remember when I read this but but I, I did take time and, and poured over each page. It, it's I, I would definitely I don't even think I could say if you were a fan of if if, if you know if you enjoyed the the first two movies or anything like that. I if you just want to read a a good Superman story, then you should read those Alan Moore issues. Yeah, it's a fitting postscript, it really is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh you were too busy probably chasing tail around when you read it the first time. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah. <laughs> it's full. Yep. And you don't have to chase discounts. <laughs> Uh, for your oh favorite God. comic books and collectibles. Yeah, it's getting fucking <laughs> deep up in this Respect. shit. All you have to do is hook up yourself with your web browser and put dcbservice.com, discount comic book service. They will hook you up with massive Wumba discounts on your favorite funny books and collectibles. Wumba. 35 to 75 craziness percent off on some stuff. Check them out. They are the best. In your travels. David mentioned this company last week, and our um, we we fall short in 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 pimping them because they are the greatness. And I'm talking about Tomorrow's Publishing. Yes. Uh, uh, keep your eyes peeled for the 24th issue of Draw, the professional how-to magazine on comics and cartooning, because it features the incredibly talented painter Glenn Orbick. Oh, nice. we, we've seen his stuff on uh, American Century and Punisher and Batman, and he does the the box well, art comic for base, yes. comic based software. I mean, the guy is everywhere. Um, in in addition to that, this issue has Bob McCloud, and he uh, gives you a little bird, a little industry <laughs> eye view on what they look for in a, a newcomer's work. Mike Manley's in here and Brett Blevins. Oofah. The editor, I think. And I think they've relaxed their policy on nudity because uh, this issue Ooh. is, this issue is, I remember one time John Morrow was just like, we can't do that. We can't have nudity in our books. Uh, this issue is loaded with uh, boobs, boobies and, and, and turd cutters. It is just gorgeous. Turd uh, cutters. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, Glenn Orbeck's just fantastically talented. And he just, he, he wrangles photo reference. He makes it work for him. He's not a slave to the photo reference. And you can, and you can see in this issue uh, his setup with the models and the photos he takes. And then he, he does rough sketches and he blocks it out. And he, he, he pushes the composition where he wants. The guy is... Is supremely talented. He's a fine artist, amazing fine artist. I love his stuff. Uh, but there's a dude in here, Robert Valley, who worked on the Beatles oh, rock yeah. band thing, and he did the uh, Tron 
cartoon at all. The Tron Uprising, which is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. well, you should see some of the images in here. They're really great, really great stuff. So it is draw number 24. Its cover price is like $7.95, but um, give you a little tip. If you go to the Tomorrow's website, you can get it. You can do the digital download thing for like, Mm -hmm. I think it's three bucks. It's disgustingly cheap digitally. That's the way to read it. These things are awesome, just chock full of information. It'll take you a month to, to just absorb all the tips in this thing. Just great, great stuff. Just, just a, tip, a tip, the wet part, right? Do it. Tomorrow's draw. Great tomorrow's, stuff. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's. Oh, boy. Um, Hannigan. First of all, in your travels, go to the forum, and as... Jason reminded Vince and I today, you need to fill out you need sure. to fill out your eleven o'clockers ballot Thanks, because uh, because next uh, next week is not only our two hundred and fiftieth episode, what? which is 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 very very crazy. Cray, cray, yeah, two hundred and fiftieth consecutive episode. Well, it's con- pretty much, but yeah. You mean um, it is? It worked. Did, it it worked, didn't it? Oh, did it work? Did Here it work? Did it work? Uh, we can't say for sure. We're oh, here. Um, we didn't pod fade. Damn, not like, not like, not like Ron on my family. <sighs> oh, yeah. oh, uh, I got to be honest with you. If Image wanted me, you guys would be left in the dust. <laughs> 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 I'm used to it. So. Uh, so, oh, you the, dick. The, the, the 11 o'clockers, which are Jason's baby. I know he looks forward to them all year. <laughs> as soon as we're done next week, he's going to start his ballot for next year. Yeah. Um, so go and, and get your ballots in on the forum, which is where, David? Forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. And we will uh, approve you and every other spam-bearing member right. that we can. Uh, so silly. And uh, I know probably, speaking for Vince and I, there's going to be some art books on, uh, <laughs> on, on, on next week's um, ballot that are going to be talked about. Uh, one that may not make the Sorry, final. Sorry, we don't have a best art book category, but... <laughs> Just put that we out do, there. we do, we can shoehorn it, buddy. Uh, <laughs> we'll find places well, to put it. it, it, it uh, I'm I'm teasing, but woodwork is going to get mentioned next week. because yes. um, it was well, published in 2012. So that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is another one that I would like to uh, to tell people in their travels to check out because um, the print run is done, and so um, run to your um, preferred comic book vendor right now. Uh, the art of Amanda Connor. Uh, I got it in uh, last week. Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, who's pretty active on Facebook, um, uh, sent out a message that, hey, the print run's done. Get this now because you're not going to be able to for much longer. And so I ordered it right away. It's one of those that has kind of been on my list. And it's a, it's a first of all, it's a fantastic art book. Uh, Amanda Connor is, I, I think, one of the really um, – underappreciated artist of this generation. Oh, yes. She has, she has a very um, cartoonist style, which uh, which gets, um, I think, automatically puts her in an overlooked category that I think years from now will, will not be overlooked. It will be embraced and, and, uh, and kind of revered as, as holding um, a, a place of, of like true, true comic art. 
Um, and there it's, are, it's ridiculous why people do that. They they uh, praise Mike Waringo, who had the the. It's a great cartoon. Uh, he was he was an ally. He was like the male Amanda Connor. They they both yeah. draw in the same style. That's true. Yeah. 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 And it's just so. Uh, it's a, it's that word cartoonist that. Yeah. Uh, it's like um it's like conservatives use the word liberal for a lot of years and turn it into a nasty like swear word and it it's not you know it's it's <laughs> actually something to be you know held and embraced. And, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so so Amanda <laughs> Connor is an amazing liberal and you should uh, you should uh you should buy her art book and beyond you. beyond amazing art and liberalism in in the book um it's really a love story too. Oh and really? Yeah, it's because it's um it's filled with pictures of not just her art but every chapter break um, are these great candids of her and she and Jimmy Palmiotti I think oh. are one of the great romance stories in in comics today and it's I think it you know a, a lot of a lot of people out there are, are very aware that she and Jimmy Palmiotti are, are a couple and have been for a long time and you can't help but but read this beautiful art book and see uh, pictures of them together and realize that they have been um, with each other through the journey of their of their respective careers and and their writer and artist and and so it's not like two artists together it's a, you know it's a, it's a writer and artist but it's a it's an art book and it's a love story and Aww. it's um it's really um yeah I, I i was i was absolutely thrilled after i got it and and looked through it to kind of um reinforce how much i love her art and how much i enjoy both of them as as creators and how really important they are to the last decade of comics truth she's got to love the shit out of him though i mean really love him because you know <laughs> you, jimmy you've you been in his province he's a he's a pisser oh right? he's he really, really is a pisser and i mean that in the best i don't way. know who the bigger picker who the bigger pisser is though She's got, she's got a she's got a little piss of vinegar in her too. Yeah, dude, I um, picture like Justin Gray, like be like that guy, like just like I picture him like living in like their garage, their apartment above their garage. Like I know it's there's no truth to that, but I just picture like him being like the like the third leg of their. You know, Jimmy and Amanda are going at it, and, yeah. and Justin's yeah. knocking on the door. I got an idea. Wait he's a like, minute, what's for dinner? Yeah, he's like you know the Janet of the relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the art of Amanda Connor, uh, and I'm, I'm going to talk a lot about art books next week cause there's, uh, it, it's something that I've, I've really, uh, grown to enjoy and, and covet, uh, with, with comics. And this is, this is really a fantastic art book and, uh, and, uh, hats off to IDW for, uh, for producing it That's along nice. with a lot of other really, really nice work this year. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't want to say it when Ron was here, but yeah, IDW does really, really fantastic work. But right now, yeah. yeah. See, I think maybe we should start the episode off within your travels because then Chris will really get into it. <laughs> what? Huh? Oh, no. huh? The uh, don't kick I, the tires, I, dude. Given, given, uh, <laughs> since since we didn't talk about John Byrne enough, uh, <laughs> have some more barley wine. Since we didn't we didn't talk about burn enough and and I've been um going through my uh 
Star Trek motion picture set. There was a four-issue miniseries written and drawn by Byrne, uh, published by IDW, Star Trek, colon, Leonard McCoy, dash, Frontier Doctor. And it was a... Um, it basically... If you ever see the Star Trek motion picture movie when when Bones transports onto um, onto the Enterprise, he has beard, scraggly, grizzly man looking thing, and and this miniseries takes place right before or, or leading up to the first movie because uh, Kirk is an admiral and 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 the Enterprise is being refitted and and things like that. But this is just about about dry bones dock. and it is a fucking three hour dry dock and, and and it's not just not just the docking scene but then it's also while they're going to fucking to Vajur and, and it's like really yeah. and it was like some dude just realized MTV's showing some wacky shit or will be because this is the late 70s but it was just that was so that's really, why Spock float for 20 minutes <laughs> seriously I was looking at my watch I'm like how long is this fucking movie because of these scenes but ooh the exhaust just went the, off that was the best part <laughs> Yeah. So, so you have, I'm, I'm really surprised that they made more movies after this. But I know, right? It was crazy. Uh, but cray, um, cray, yeah. he cray cray, big time cray cray. This was, uh, this was. I mean, it. Burn has a real good handle on McCoy. You could definitely hear and feel the Frost Kelly talking. Um, I could hear his voice from the show just just as he's he's dealing with yeah. other aliens and and the um the stories are basically uh Kirk is is kind of the frame of the um of the issues it's 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 um Kirk gets a letter it's written by McCoy it's it's you know that old antiquated actually writing handwriting on paper and and mailing it and and uh and you know, that's the only way McCoy can, can communicate, I guess, with his old friend. But uh, as Kirk's reading the letter, that is the what's going on in the um, in the in the issue, and that's the story for it. But it it is really it it felt like it still felt like a Star Trek story, even though there was no Spock there. You did see Scotty. There was an appearance by Scotty because because. He and Bones were on, on a planet together, but it, um, I've, I kind of, I knew that uh, that Byrne enjoyed Star Trek because when they had the two issue mm-hmm. Who's Who in the Star Trek universe, and and he did a lot. Uh, he did Khan. Oh, he did a, a lot of the uh, right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. he, I, this really did work, and, and because it wasn't the Holy Trinity or it wasn't a big massive. Uh, Star Trek story it was just about one character, and I, I I do like Bones. I like him a lot, and and to see. Oh, and by the way, last week, whenever I was talking about um, Dread, <laughs> yeah, we know Carl Urban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's drink a little much. I, I did not. I did not mean Scotty. I meant Bones. Yeah, right. so, yeah. yeah. yeah we're you, know, yeah. you know, David's love of Star Trek always surprises me. Because it's it's really? not the it, yeah it's not the first thing that I mean David loves a lot of stuff but Star Trek I didn't think was one of them but from the past couple years he lets it out in little bursts like you know oh there was a little Star Trek talk there and then a couple of maybe about ten or twenty episodes later you get a little bit more but David really likes Star Trek that's true he does it is it's a um, it's a connection my father and I have that dad watched the original series and and we would watch it 
in reruns and I'll get I'll get I want a Jordan Purcell page now. No, here's the deal. We gotta get him a burn Star Trek page for next Christmas. Yeah, we do. Oh yeah. Oh. But uh no, no, I am and, and, and it's uh actually I saw a um uh Naked Lady? No, there was <laughs> apparently Kate Mulgrew was not the the original or, or wasn't in the wasn't the only Captain Janeway, and and there was I saw a clip this morning. Um, yeah, who was it? Was um, it uh, Bujold or something like that? But it was some crazy looking chick, a French woman who looks older than Catherine Hepburn, and wow. and they got her to play Janeway, and it was just it was ridiculous. I I I'm not a fan of Voyager at all, but if if I'm I'm glad Kate Mulgrew was Captain Janeway as far as this this. Uh, this audition reel win, but no, it's I. I definitely recommend Leonard McCoy, Frontier Doctor. Nice. Kind of hard to follow a captain that doesn't shave her pits. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow, <laughs> Jason. Wow, we just took a left turn in Albuquerque, didn't we? <laughs> no Make diggity, it so. son. No way, sweetheart. You got hair in your, in your arms. That's not good. In another little teaser. In another little precursor to things we'll be talking about next week. Um. In your travels, uh, don't just read Mr. Jonathan Hickman's Marvel work, but take a gander at his image work. Most notably, now nine issues in, uh, or eight issues, eight or nine, the Manhattan Projects. Mm-hmm. Eight, 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 sorry. Um, love. Love the first trade. Uh, it is, um, I've talked about it before, yep. um, but I was about three issues behind, called up this week. Uh, it's just unbridled creative genius. It's, it's, it's so awesome to have each of these characters that are, you know, historic, historically accurate members of the Manhattan projects and, or well-known scientists of the modern era. And Hickman puts crazy twists on them, like making, you know, Fermi an alien and making one of the German scientists, you know, uh, half cyborg, and making, you know, Einstein a other dimensional evildoer and uh just, you know, it's just fantastic. It's it's uh the, in the last few issues where let's just say that the scientists begin to uh look out for themselves a little bit more and stop worrying so much about their government and doing good deeds for the government and uh it sets up a really fascinating dynamic for what's to come. Um it's uh it, it we are introduced in the last few issues to the uh, Soviet equivalent of the Manhattan Projects. Um, we have an alien encounter, uh, which is great. They're standing there waiting for their annual meetup with the UFO. And uh, one of the guys is like, Feynman is like, what do they look like? And he's like, oh, you know, they got pale gray skin, big eyes. And then the UFO shows up according to plan and, and out walks aliens that look completely different. And uh, it's just uh, – it's great because the uh, alien starts talking and they can't understand them. And he's like – they're like, we don't understand you. So he puts in like a babblefish type thing so he can translate for them and he starts talking uh-huh. to them in English. And uh, But then like every now and then uh, the the captions go into italics and it's like this horrible stuff like, if you don't do what we say, we're going to flay your skin from your flesh. And, yeah, and <laughs> graves are bad, can't. man. And, and, and then they're like, what did you say? And, and he's like, oh, sorry, that doesn't translate. So it's like, it's just, it's just, it's just great stuff. It's like, it's just, uh, it's, it's just unbridled creativity. And uh, Nick Patara is a perfect artist for it. He, 
you know, he's definitely from the, uh, he, he's, he's from the, uh, you know, the quietly school, you know, that camp, um, uh, a little more, even more exaggerated than quietly, a little more cartoony, the, you know, very skinny limbs, very exaggerated facial features. But, uh, but I just think it works on this book. You know, I don't know that it would work necessarily in, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, X-Men, but it, it works great in this. And, uh, I just think it really adds a, a layer of, uh, of, of, of oddness to the book and it, which is great because, you know, everyone in the book is very quirky. So can't recommend it enough Manhattan projects. Like I said, uh, I think nice. we're eight issues in and, uh, I just, I love every page of it. Another tease. Um, yep. Saga. <laughs> a little bit. Sa- saga. That was great. Yeah. Yep. Saga. saga. Just enough said. Enough said. Yeah. Yeah. She wins everything. Sweep. <laughs> I, uh, it's the Lincoln. Best well, miniseries, should... Saga. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because yeah, they 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 went on hiatus for like three months. So yeah. That uh, the um God, the best hiatus saga. Dude, the, there two things. Um, huh? Big ups, huge ups to the peeps on the forum for getting Regina put into the Urban Dictionary. So freaking cool, dude! Awesome. By the way, I wonder if our boy from Regina actually still listens to the show. Because that's what someone actually on the forum said. I think it's yeah. like, dude, and if you still listen, check this out. And 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 I know it happened. Bean was trying for it. They kept denying it. A few other people kept going at it, and, and I guess finally Urban Dictionary folks relented. And and so oh, now, if you, if you go to Urban Dictionary, you can look up Regina Pyle, and, and it's there. It's just, it's a, love an, it. Just just make sure you pronounce it correctly. Unlike Reg- these movies, Regine. Right. Yeah. Regine. Regine. Actually, and, made into the Urban Dictionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're shitting me. No. no. Stop by the forum. Yeah, anytime. The, we, got, uh, we got some just listeners. Located where and, and and the other thing. Speaking of of the form, I need to uh, big thanks to. Apparently, I guess I'm going on somewhat of a dumbass on tour thing because Sean Pryor asked me on last week, and and uh, that episode I believe will be available in February. Where we weren't even wasn't even comic talk. It was it was about our our old um, war. St- we were comparing war stories from uh, our days in in retail selling. Uh, Computer retail shit at CompUSA and Computer City and shit like that. But this past week, this past Monday night, uh, Zach and Ben invited me on the quad. Nice. So they took the two good ones first, right? Right. Yeah. You know, they just got, go. Or they're saving the best for last. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't look at it that way. No. Well, no, no. They'll, they'll, they started off great and, and they went great. It's on there. She's Next. I just went to Urban Dictionary. It's fucking on there. That's it is. awesome. Would you we think we're you. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, so thank you everybody on the forum for doing that. But yeah, yeah that yeah. is crazy. Cray cray. cray it's cray cray. Is that in urban is cray cray on there? I'm Get sure up. it is. It needs to be. It's under C. <laughs> Dude, my, my my wife despises cray cray and I always say it to try and uh, uh tease it, her. yes, meaning really crazy. And then the other day we were getting we were getting uh my just turned four year old uh Dressed for bed, and uh, Beth said something, and he looks and he goes, "You're cray cray." It was <laughs> no, awesome, dude. It was awesome. You know I what? Felt I, like total victory. I will tell you right now, one word, Renee. Absolutely, despite it makes her skin crawl. She, you could see, see the horns come up, and 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 it's. Well, I'm not gonna say it's gonna kill Jason, but she cannot stand ridiculous. No, that's ridiculous. 
I'm going to have to remember that. Check herself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell her that. (laughs) Girl, you look ridiculous today. I'm a texter. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that. I'm going to do. I believe you. She'll check in the morning. It's time to end this. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. And we hope you're here with us next week. We'd like to thank Mr. Ron Richards for being here. Uh, And you know he's going to do well, but just for the sake of uh, being buddies, we say, knock him dead, Ron. Yes, sir. We know you got it. He's going to do awesome. It's it's great move by by image. Great move. I can only think of one person better for the job. Who it is? Me. Uh, you, know, nah, you don't have enough hustle, dude. I don't. That, that's exactly true. I don't. And you'd be all up over on Todd, too. Other shit would be happening over there. humping his leg. Oh, Todd, man. Todd, can I get you something? Can I, can I dip your brushes? Can I get anything? I'd be Todd's piss boy. I really would. Yeah. I don't care. I'm not proud. I love Todd. Todd the God. I'm like David, who takes every opportunity to besmirch Mr. McFarlane. Every. Every opportunity. Every, every opportunity. Snarky bastard. Curves everything it fucking gets. Don't even I try I bet you it. Todd winces. No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. We'll, we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. More life. That Urban Dictionary shit makes me happy. That's really hilarious. Cool.